everybody to We Have Issues, our show that's about everything literary. Uh, books, comic books, web comics, manga, everything else you might be reading. Uh, as always, I am your host, Keith, and we are here to talk about the newest week of comic books that were released, and it's a big stack. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my Star Wars sidekick, who's always at my side, Josue. Keith, and to the listeners, y'all be happy to know that I can finally start reading Seven Secrets. I finally completed all the pieces. I'm so. Have you started reading? Uh, no, no, dude. It was, a, it was a hell of a big week, and I and I yeah. do I do want to savor this based on like everybody's reviews on this. Yeah. Uh, I'm thankful it hasn't been spoiled. Uh, thank God. But um, yeah, no, I can. I, I did want to take my time with it because yeah, I was. I think it was like 19 books I read this week that we're going to talk about at least for my. Yeah, <laughs> I have a hell of a lot of books. <laughs> Um, and then we also had a mutual read, which we're going to talk about in our other episode. Oh yeah, which was a huge mutual read because it was twelve issues at least. I think I even I read those extra bits too. Yeah, so there's a lot of reading this week. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and get into what we are here to talk about. Um, as always, when we talk about the new releases for comics, we like to start with our indie books, and we like to talk about the ones that we don't share right off the bat. Um, so. The first one I want to talk about did not come out this week, but I want to make sure I give it time because it is, um, it's a, a publisher that we don't talk about as much as others, and it's also a creator that we personally have spoken to, and who's a really cool dude. So um, that is Scout's Honor, published by Aftershock. Oh, nice. Um, so Scout's Honor is written by David Popose. Ooh, okay, nice. Uh, drawn by Luca Casalanguida. I hope I get that right. Colored by Matt Mia, one of our favorite colorists, and lettered by Carlos Mangual. Um, so I'm going to give you the elevator pitch on this. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic world where uh, the Boy Scouts of America essentially are survival experts that are defending humanity from monsters. Man, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nice. And it's it, it really grows goes with a lot of other a lot of other David's uh, David's other things, because David takes a thing and twists it. Nice. So, okay. So like he does the OZ where it's hey, it's the Wizard of Oz, but it's a war story, you know. And like or like um, he did uh, Spencer and Locke, you know. It's like it's Calvin and Hobbes, but it's you know a gritty murder. <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. We had a bit of a technical difficulty in the middle of my ranting about how great David Propose is. Um, so I'm going to take up where I left off. Hopefully I won't repeat too much of it. Basically, David takes, usually takes a thing that's kind of uh, interesting and puts a complete unique twist on it, which I really enjoy. So yeah, this is an alternate future that is a uh, post-apocalyptic thing. And uh, these people who are basically trained, basically they're Boy Scouts, they're called Ranger Scouts of America. And uh, they're trained to protect everything. And it's just a really interesting story. It's very Last of Us in that, like, um, like it's, it's very much an urban survival, you know? 
Um, but it's really cool because they see things as like different merit badges they could earn and all this stuff. And it's very much like, uh, like it's, it's just very cool. I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, did, uh a... did, sorry, did you get a chance to see Liz play last of us part two? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're more like kind of like the WLF. Like there was like, it was one of the, like, oh, I don't, Abby... I don't remember things that closely. Oh, okay. like... There's like Abby's faction and they're kind of more like, it was, they're kind of like, Military, because it's like brought part of broken other factions like the Fireflies. This but is all of society from what oh, I know. Shit, cool. Yeah, yeah kind of sounds like so. that. Yeah, and um, it's just really cool. And there's a really cool twist um, that I'm not going to tell you uh-huh. because I want you guys to buy it and it'll be worth it. I'll just say I really, really like the main character, Kit. Um, very cool character. So, and there's things like a gamma bore, and they have to like use survival techniques to fight like hot wiring cars and archery and shit. Like it's just really cool. And I really, really enjoy it. And I, I think me and David have very similar tastes in storytelling. So I just love everything I've read of his. So yeah. So I wanted to give that a shout out, even though it didn't come out this week, I wanted to go ahead and let you guys know to pick it up. It's for aftershock comics, scouts honor. And, um, my next book I want to talk about is the newest series. It seems like every week we're getting another one of these, but another Rick and Morty book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this one's called Rick and Morty Worlds Apart. It's written by Josh Trujillo. There was art by Tony Fleece and Jarrett Williams. Colors by Leonardo Ito and letters by Crank. So uh, are you caught up in Rick and Morty as far as the show goes? Oh, yeah. Do you remember the issue where Morty got a dragon? Yeah, it's we return to that storyline. <laughs> uh, so, okay, some continuity. I guess it's all maybe continuity, but this is actual show continuity. Yeah, yeah. So it goes back to the slut dragons, and um, which is just excellent, by the way. Uh, and so basically, uh, you find out that Balthrama, who was uh, Morty's dragon, is the ruler of the slut dragons now, and they get attacked by basically some dominatrixes who are going to steal all of their sexual energy by sucking it out of them. And an older slut dragon, I just, I'm going to say slut dragon every time because it's great, um, sacrifices himself to let uh, Balthorma get away to try to get help from Rick and Morty. And he basically explains they're going to kill us all and Rick sits there and thinks for a second, takes a drink, and he's like, I'm going to pass, basically. Like, uh, it yeah. isn't like repeating stories, basically. Yeah. So, um, so it's up to Morty and Jerry's father, who's there visiting. What? To save the day. Wait, like the creepy one from the Christmas episode? Yeah, the one who's in a thruple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His <laughs> wife and the guy in the thruple are on a vacation together. And he's like, it's a cruise and I get seasick, so I let them go on their own, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> So... So yeah, and he's basically like trying to earn respect, and so it's going to be the two of them saving the day. Uh, so yeah, I'm very excited about this. <laughs> so uh, it's a good first issue of the Rick and Morty books I've been reading because I, I read them all. Um, I think it's the one most like the show, oh, if nice. that appeals to you. So yeah, um, but yeah, it's pretty good. Obviously, it's um, printed by Oni Press as always. And uh, pretty good. It just started with one issue. So, yeah. If you want to take a shot at it, pick it up. Uh, that should be it for that one. Let's see here. Uh, the next book I want to talk about 
is this is the other one we seem to be getting into one every week, and that's Star Wars. Mm. Uh, Star Wars: The High Republic Adventures, number one. So this is part of that very strange situation we have with um, with Star Wars, where Marvel and IDW we've talked about in the past how they have a partnership mm-hmm. and they've been working together quite a bit, and um, whereas the main High Republic series is being done by Marvel. The adventure series is being done by IDW. So, uh, but they're taking place in the same universe, probably roughly around the same time. Um, this one's written by Daniel Jose Older, uh, art by Harvey Talabao, colors by Rebecca Nalty, and lettering by Jake M. Wood. This one's cool because it's about obviously it's way way back in the time back you know back in the past uh, we know that. And um, this is when the Jedi are all, like all in their power and everything. And I, I'm really enjoying experiencing this timeline of Jedi because it's cool to see them like organized and working together. And like, yeah, it's kind of like the Nova Corps, the Green Lantern Corps, you know, like it's fun to read that stuff. So in this one, here's a spaceship with a bunch of Padawans on it and Yoda. Yeah, and basically he's taking them around the galaxy to learn about various things and help them like study the force and stuff like that. And there's an emergency on a planet that's about to get hit by a bunch of debris. And Yoda's like, We're the only we're the only ship anywhere nearby, we're the only ones who can help. So Yoda and the other Jedi there basically try to use the force to prevent much of the debris to go hit. But they send the Padawans down to assist with the evacuation. Oh no shit! Damn. Yeah, and uh, it's it's kind of strange academy, by the way. Um, so okay, yeah, and then um, at the same time they're telling the story of a young girl on the surface who talks like basically the culture of this planet is that they don't uh, they they don't look fondly fondly on Force users. Uh, and so she, a long time ago, realized she has the Force. And, like, it is relatively powerful in her. But she doesn't want to actually use it because she's scared and everything like that, right? So when they're trying to evacuate the planet, a huge piece of debris is about to fall on a bunch of people. And she uses her Force and basically knocks it aside to the point that none of the other... Padawans could have done that and that she has no training. So basically, mm-hmm. uh, so it's really cool. I like the idea of they're meeting her. I th- obviously think she's going to get pulled into the Padawan group and it's going to be kind of like a group adventure story. Yeah. Which, which I dig. Uh, so yeah, I, I highly recommend it. If you're definitely looking for something more of a, um, something that's probably going to be less significant to the whole, um, universe of star wars yeah and i was interested in picking up this one and now you kind of let me in on it like i'm definitely gonna go back and get it because padawans just get like overlooked we've only seen them just using that little training ball to dodge those little like rays uh or in episode two they they just got to see like the library with yoda and obi-wan or a scene right before their imminent death in three uh, but (laughs) but padawan field trips like bro literally sign me the fuck up i'm all about those like those stories yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Like, it, it's pretty great. 
and um, I'm really enjoying it. There's going to be like, it's just I there's I'm, I don't want to spoil it, but there's going to be some really good uh, conflict setup. I think is the best cool. way to put it. So, yeah, totally 100% recommend this book. So, um, that leads me to my next independent book, and. Sometimes I have a book that I recommend Josue pick up that he didn't pick up. <laughs> and I call it my you need to pick this book up of the week. <laughs> and this book is Spectre Inspectors. Okay. This is published by Boombox. Right. Okay. Written or created and written by Bowen McCurdy and Caitlin Musto. And art is also by Bowen McCurdy. So oh, nice. it's almost like 100% a creator uh owned book Mm -hmm. but uh caitlin musto helped write it basically okay um and the lettering is by jim campbell so uh i'm trying to think of how much i want to tell you about this you know no in this case i'm gonna tell you everything (laughs) because i want you to know it all basically okay um let me see. I've seen I've seen the ads, so I, I kind of seen like what the 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 gist would be, but obviously I didn't read it. Um, yeah. So yeah, like, give it to me. So, um, it's a ghost story. Yes. Uh, you like homesick pilots? I do. Okay. Imagine that if it wasn't if it was more meant for a younger audience. Okay. Hence the boombox. Yeah. Um, so basically it's a group called the Spectre Inspectors and they have a ghost hunting show and the art reminds me very much of finger guns. Oh, okay. To the point that I had to go back and double check that it wasn't the same person. It wasn't Val. (laughs) Like, I was like, this isn't Val. Right. And I looked back and cause the faces look like the ones from finger guns, Mm -hmm. which I love. I love that look. So that's awesome. Um, and so basically it's this group of, Three people fresh out of college and a 15-year-old kid. No, they haven't explained what the kid's doing there. And um, they are ghost hunters. And uh, one of them is sensitive to, like, spirits. And they can summon – or they can sense them, right? Oh, shit. Okay. And they go to the most haunted place ever. And um, they're like, we're going to find somebody. We're going to find ghosts. We're going to get some – footage of it and they keep talking about how they they actually caught a disembodied voice on on uh recording and that's what kind of made people actually give a crap about them Hmm. is they were able to do that so that was really cool right um and it's it's about their adventure they go to this really haunted place and let's just say in this world ghosts do exist so it is it is an actual haunting it's not a hoax thing but they deal with the fact that a lot of ghost shows are um are hoaxes yeah. They talk about that. Also, the uh, main character, Noah, she's the one that can uh, see or can hear the ghosts. Uh, one of the other main characters is her girlfriend. Okay. And, and she, yeah, I'm just going to tell you. Uh, her name is Astrid. She gets possessed by a ghost or a demon or something. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. And. They try to they try to rush her to somebody. They're like, "We'll get somebody to do a um, an exorcism on you or something like that." But they realize that they can't leave town. Every time they drive, they keep seeing the same sign that they're exiting town, but they never actually exit town. 
and and it. then whatever's possessing her is just like, yeah, you can't do it. And it's like, basically, the only way I'm getting out of this body, because if you exercise her, basically, it's going to kill her. She's like, and I'll just read her line right here. In order to release me and free your friend, you must find something that was taken from me for over a century ago, along with my memory. And they oh, say, right. and that right. is, and they say, my name. Wait, oh, what? Okay. Yeah. I, I totally get the whole, like, um, homesick pilots uh, comparison. Yeah. But it's also, but then, like, on the other side, it's, it sounds very, like, paranormal with like the, yep. the the ragtag team, but then it's like, uh, and then you had me at the at the girlfriend bit, and it's like, oh shit, yes, yep. okay, love it. I, I, I book number two. I need to go back and get then. It's very very good. And if that didn't convince you enough, keep an eye out for the variant cover done by Merck Randolfo. Ah, uh, okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah, um, but that's what said she brought up for that one. Yeah, yeah. So that is all of my personal indies. I know you had a couple, so go ahead. Yeah. Uh, sweet. So we'll start out with this book, and it's uh, uh, from Dark Horse. It's a publisher that we haven't shout out in, in a while. <laughs> so Dark Horse, uh, I, the reason why I got it is because of the author, uh, Matt, Matt Kint, and you spoke highly yeah. of him based on folk, folk, uh, Folklords. Yeah. And the, <laughs> the rest of the team is, oh shit, let me get to the page where it is. Yeah, it's, in the, it's all the way in the back. Uh, Tyler Jenkins does the art and colors by Hillary Jenkins. Uh, so, yeah, this book is called Fear Case. <sighs> How can I put this? It's uh, without just being like, oh, it's just like this. Uh, but it just reminded me a lot, like, uh, because I'm just, like, just so into the, uh, the Department of Truth and just, like, the government and based on conspiracy theories is what that, that book is about. This is, like, almost very similar. It's just, like, you just take it as, like, a, a different uh, team doing a different case uh but no this uh this is run by uh caught the fbi or they're the no they're sorry they're part of the secret service because yeah because of the base on the little thing at the end so as these partners in the secret service and they also uh they're trying to solve some case uh, some cases uh, in particular this one and you open up with uh who you think is gonna be the main character we might jump to this character if they can't do it uh but we started we started to open up with the diner and again, your our supposed main character is just waiting, and then these two dudes show up who are, and they say like, "Oh, we're partners, so and so, and we're here to tell you about this case. Uh, it, this case is pretty much going to get passed down to you uh, in three weeks. J- but just so you know, we plan to solve it by then, so don't even worry about it. But here's the lowdown, and as people, and who we get to the premise, basically the fear case is. Uh, yeah a play on words uh because it's like figurative on like cases that they solve and literally literally as in like they're they they the mystery about this fear case and this is this black briefcase um and it's been going on for forever uh there's almost like hieroglyphics uh, uh on this and it's been passed down and it always leaves uh a bad trail uh just just like a, a gruesome trail and the reason why they're they're there to kind of tell this new person about it is because since the Secret Service has taken on this case uh, since like a, when they say like the se- the seventies or eighties, it's driven people just to the brink almost to insanity, obsession and 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 insanity, uh, just because they can't solve it or they almost get like they think they get too close and then it's just like again like they just they get too obsessive and it's like they don't they're not they're professional selves they're the Secret Service. 
Uh, so the I don't so it came down that there's like a rule based on this case, and whoever picks it up, they just have one year to solve it, and then it's gets pa- it gets passed down, or else it's just like we don't want any more problems with our professionals. So that's so a that's cool what, gimmick. I like that. Yeah, it, it is really cool. And then so then um so they're they're just there to tell me, like, yo, so we're here to give you the lowdown because it's almost like a rite of passage to because yeah, this is the our supposed main character, um, it's kind of new to to the force. And that's what they're kind of there, like, oh, it's almost like a rite of passage, so just be prepared. But don't worry, we do plan on solving this. And then we just jump to these two guys and and how deep they're into this. I mean, like, into solving and not necessarily on the obsession part yet. Um, but they, they, they at least get a, a lead. And they find, I mean, it's like they almost, they find a, a new murder to go along with it. And it almost gets, like, in that scene in Seven where they, when they first chase, um, uh, Kevin Spacey or, or John Doe, mm-hmm. uh, and then they almost get him, but he just barely evades. It's kind of like that. And it's like the the brief the briefcase barely um, escapes them. Uh, but yeah, I just I really like this concept, and and it, and then the last page, it's uh, it's kind of like a info page. It's this torn up paper, and and it's just like like a little info page, like on the history of the Secret Service, on how it was. Uh, um, like there was like an undoc- an unsigned document that was gonna initiate the secret service on Lincoln's desk like that that night and so like and then it goes on and how it's been like the most like was like the one of the longest government agencies like that predates like even like the other yeah, CIA the, the FBI the, the DEA so it's like they hold a lot more secrets in it hence the secret service mm-hmm. um, but it, it, it was a cool premise so I'm, I'm I'm really into this first issue. Nice. Uh, I like yeah. that. Um, I like the you know the service has been around for everything. Yeah. Um, for some reason, it popped into my head. Um, do you remember in Why the Last Man how uh, the group the Agent Three Fifty Five was a member of was like formed by right. George Washington? Yeah, like, that immediately popped in my head. I remember thinking, oh, I loved that. That was so cool. I wanted more of the history of that. That could have been a great story. So no, I think whoever kind of goes into uh, deep like that too. Yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, it just popped into my head. So. Uh, next book, jumping over to a different publisher, is IDW, and that is Sea of Sorrows, number three, by Rich Duick, and Artists and Colors by Alex Cormack. Oh, man, do I love this book. <laughs> it's just like, it's like that claustrophobia of just being in the water, and like that, that I mean, like you, this is funny to you, but that fear of being in the ocean, of just being deep diving in the ocean. Oh, don't get me wrong. The ocean is horrifying like <laughs> yeah but i mean like but you have a better sense you have a better grip of reality when you're there there's worse places to go <laughs> <laughs> so. uh yeah no what makes this book great is that you get that sensation of claustrophobia by because like there is a there's a lot of scenes of scuba diving because they're there to retrieve something that's in the ocean right um but man the story just i like, kind of pick up more on the crew that's up on the ship uh, and one thing that's definitely like worth of note uh, uh, in this book is just because this is a horror book, everybody's eyes just pop, and not like in the vibrant, they're pretty, like because everybody yeah. in this crew just is just grimy and not gross. But you can definitely tell everybody just has their own sinister agenda. Uh, right. But but it's just that it's just how they all just sink in, how they all just like you can tell that they're smiling or their eyebrows are set a certain way to make it seem like they're like conniving, but it's really the eyes of just everybody just has their own little panel or, or a whole scene where they're just like, they just look fucking crazy. And it's just, <laughs> it's really good. That's really kind of where, where you add the horror. And it's just like, 
who do I really trust? And it's like the only person you do trust is the dude you've been rooting for at the beginning who's under the water. So and there's only one, kind of one person that's up on the boat that's kind of there to be able to pull him back up. Uh, but yeah, as kind of shenanigans starts to stir up on top, uh, yeah, our guy down below makes another discovery. And I really don't want to spoil this one because I didn't see this one coming. I thought it, it pertained to the the mermaid that we've been seeing. But no, it's just this whole other thing. It's this whole other cool element uh, that brings it to the game. So it's just kind of like, how long has this been going on for? And that's as much as I'll say about that one. Definitely, definitely pick up Sea of Sorrows. There's two issues left. Uh, it's just fantastic. Like Rich Duick just just definitely has a great grasp on writing horror. Uh, I highly recommend picking up uh, Road of Bones because that was also just fantastic. Nice. Question real quick before you move on. Yes. Uh, he actually just posted, uh, I think it was earlier today, and I was going to ask you tonight because I knew we were going to be talking about him. He asked, that, or he said basically he doesn't have any um, like Marvel or DC characters on his like to-do list, you know? Ooh. But he said, who would we want him to do? God, like it's just like, you know, I mean, if it can just stay, if it can just please, like, you know, like, well, it's, not, it's not really selling. But honestly, just because of like the the style, uh, I'd want him to write Ghost Rider, just yeah. just something like in his ballpark, and just to see like how he would because he, even he doesn't sound that sure of what where he would even go. But even like the the style, the the aesthetic, and I feel like instead of just being like just writing like a rock and roll Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze, I feel like he'd bring more of the horror element uh, into it, and just like bring just bring in like the whole like the the horror mythos of the MU. I'd go down that that route. Nice. Yeah, I honestly, I couldn't decide. Um, obviously, I thought, you know, because of CSRs, I thought Namor would be awesome. That would be um, cool. That'd be cool. But yeah, um, Morbius, maybe? That'd be cool book. I've never actually read a full-on Mo- Mo- Morbius arc. It's just like when he shows up on Spider-Man. I'm thinking more of Road of Bones, you know, like that would be just yeah. really awesome. So yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was just curious what you thought. So yeah, cool. Um, cool. So wrapping up on my last two, uh, they belong on their image books. And next one is Inkblot by Emma Kubert and Rusty Glad. This is kind of like the issue that kind of makes it somewhat worth it or worth like worth the ride of picking up the series. Because mm-hmm. now at least like my mind will, uh, by the end of the issue, it started wa- wandering where the story could go. Not necessarily I'm like predicting exactly what's going to happen because who knows what happens in fucking cats and cats minds, especially when they're demon time traveling <laughs> cats. So, um, but it's, it's cool that we kind of, after like knowing what this cat's about, knowing the family of like, of the seeker, the librarian girl and like her and her family and what they've all kind of, kind of been about and how like they all have like their own um, roles to play. Um, I, you can kind of fully understand where we can go now. And it's the seeker, that li- the librarian girl, kind of set like kind of obsessed to set on getting this fucking cat back she's done her studying but she doesn't really grasp how how this thing can be um so she sets up this huge concoction to trap to try to set it up like it's like there's like this blue fire chimney uh there's like a box like in the middle of like it was like a little plank with a box in the middle of the room like like right over the chimney to be able to catch it uh, this giant, like this little dome thing right over on top. I, I don't know. It's, it's her own plan, and so it's all finally set. And next thing we need is uh, is bait. So she gets a little fish, 
goes around the whole, her whole fucking mansion in the library to try to find it. And it's, of course, it's not coming out because it's a fucking cat. So she's the border, borderline of giving up. So she's, she comes back to her library <laughs> and the cat's perfectly, if it fits, it sits in the box. It's literally sitting in the trap box. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes like fucking all, <laughs> so she goes all ape shit and trying to catch it. And we finally see some expression on this cat. There's, yeah, there's some actually some, yeah, the surprise and it, one angry panel and this cat has none of it. And next thing, the next thing she knows, they're way back when, and she knows exactly where she's at. Uh, there's like a little, this little hut house, and it's like kind of the early uh, times of her family. And she goes inside, and it's like a little, like a little moment of like the, the time travel is like, oh shit, if my past self sees me, this whole shit can go bad. So, yeah. so she's there. She has this little spell. She goes invisible, and then she definitely realizes what, what, and where, when exactly they are. And it's it's a day for where the bad news really really came came to to the family, and this kind of became this other obsession that kind of went down and this whole quest for the family, if you will. Uh, so now, so after that, she was just like, "Dude, cat, like I really don't want to fucking be here. Uh, if anybody catches me, then we're this whole <laughs> you just doing what you do and the re- and the other issues is breaking the the fabric of reality. So please just go fucking go home." <laughs> So she makes it home and still like what she saw, just, I mean, just reliving that moment, not even as a memory, just physically going back to those moments really got to her and it got to her and it got her thinking. And what if she can uh, like advert what she, where she was just taken. And what if this demon cat did that on purpose to see if maybe for better or worse, uh, she could actually change it. So it's that is it's definitely that issue that made it worse. Like going, cause it was really fun. Just like, what is this cat really up to? But now like, cool let's kind of see the bigger picture here and this is starting to get fun so definitely ink plot is really really cool nice and last one of the, of the solo indie books uh, by image is tartarus by johnny christmas andrew Cr- uh, cranky Cr- crankney uh and hillary jenkins yes andrew uh crankney is the artist hillary jenkins is the colorist oh nice back-to-back colors nice also jenkins was in uh, was on um uh fear case too yeah that's why i was back to back i just, I just yeah. realized that yeah, uh, yeah. jim campbell has a letter yeah so tartarus uh after nine issues like there's no recap i'm sorry there's just so many stories being told right now of course uh we haven't even come we haven't even gone back to the present day on the other side of where the war is starting to ensue but we're now with what's still with uh the mothers that instead of getting blown up they got taken way the fuck somewhere else into this peaceful planet and what would happen to this uh the top general of said military base from the present wartime with the escapee from the super prison charteris what what would happen to this peaceful planet between them and almost almost this is exactly what it what would you imagine it shit so the military general who was so yeah, Circa, the the one that escaped Tartarus in the first place, she almost was going to take this path of um, a, a pacifist path, but then realized that kind of, that that religion on this peaceful planet was kind of bullshit, or at least like what she was seeking for, she wasn't exactly she wasn't get, gonna get exactly what she was hoping for, or at the very least in the literal sense. And then she pretty much just says like, "Well, fuck this shit," and rebels off of that one, and that's kind of the last time we see her. Meanwhile, on the other side, the top general. She actually found her family. And then we actually kind of get like the solidifying this, not a theory, but something of a backstory 
from like in from the from the beginning hence the circus daughter and son from the other side of the story is that everybody from where they're from and circus kids but and now this top general she has two daughters everybody over there or all the women there uh when they have babies everybody just has twins that's literally by default and i thought that was actually really cool um so but anyway these two girls have also but it's all but um so yeah, sorry at the same time it's because maybe there's a chance that maybe one of them will have like a, defe- a defective uh, respiratory system um hence why they kind of need this breathing mask when they kind of go out uh, but it's a really great moment where there's like a snake in the garden and they're like, oh, kill it, kill it. And then the mom is kind of like, she's taking on the pacifist role. It's like, we don't use rakes for killing. Um, so I was like, oh, shit. So she kind of takes it seriously. <laughs> it was a great moment on like, nobody likes her her bread loaves and only one of the daughters actually likes them because she's kind of stealing it. They're about to sell them. And she's like, yo, don't, those are for selling. It's like, yeah, but nobody likes them. I was like, that's not true. And she looks around and it's like a place that's using one as a doorstop. Another person using is using it as a hammer. <laughs> so it's like, all right, fuck it, just eat it. Um, but anyway, uh, now back to the other side, Circa has been developing this, uh, this rebellion. And yeah, they're pretty much like, fuck shit up. And it really sucks. There's, there's a massacre in season. Just, and it really pushes the, like, the general lady to just kick in her survival instincts. And like, God damn it. It's, it's really badass because she starts like just killing people left and right. Like literally in that moment, she had, they also, she also went into town to sell like her last possession, which was like her super dope gun. Um, just, so, I, I honestly, she wasn't even selling. It. I think she gave it away to one of the ladies that she wants to go see a shaman lady. And then they went to go look at this other dude, uh, Zvantu. Um, but yeah, anyway, and that's when Circa comes in. So because everything went to shit, she sees a gun and triggers it. And then you re- and you realize that she really was just going to like give it away. Um, out of her kindness like nobody's gonna be able to use it because as soon as she picks it up she she initiates a code word or it's like a safety code to trigger the gun into like a, to a lethal force like it was it was gonna be useless to anybody else and she starts fucking murdering people left and right it's fucking dope uh to where she that she then like is a, it does a great callback to the beginning she picks up a rake and just like drives a, a person through the like middle it's, it's fucking awesome um so i was like oh shit like she means she means business um but yeah so I'm curious where, when they're kind of kind of like meet up again, like the two stories will meet up again. Cause then like the third faction that was going to be there to mess up like Circa's initial plan, like somebody else is going to do what Circa was going to do anyway. Um, so now, but now the blame is kind of went to them still where like our top, top general is like, is going to that third party to be able to maybe teleport back home. And that's when we kind of maybe kind of cross the other two paths together and still, again, another one of those books where it's just like, what's been going on like along the way? Because it's like a heavy fucking sci-fi story. Like it's just like one of those sci-fi's that's just like shit's just there because it's almost like borderline magic. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's still great to kind of get that that kind of story. But yeah, pick up tar- look out for Tartarus on on image. Nice. That's yeah. your solos. That's my last of the solos. Nice. Yeah. All right, well, we have a pretty good stack here, so we're going to go ahead and jump straight into the ones we share. And I want to start off with a couple of number ones. No, you know what? Let's save those for last. Yeah. Let's start off with a final issue. Yeah. Canto to the Holloman number five. Uh, so published by IDW, uh, written by our friend David Bower, drawn by Dave- Drew Zucker, colored by Vittorio Stone, and letters by Anworld. Um 
so we come to the conclusion of the Hollow Men storyline, which is the second volume in the Canto story. And um, we kind of learn what needs to happen at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me just actually defer to you. What do you think so far? Uh, it was a proper ending for number two, but and I'm so glad we don't have to wait for that long for number three. Yes. I'm glad we already know we're getting to number three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, because if I was sitting here being like, is it going to be renewed? That would really, really bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it. Um, I like uh, when we talked to them, they talked about their, their inspiration of storytelling and everything. And I think, um, I think it's pretty apparent and not just, you know, the visuals of everything, but also like how they tell the story. Right. It's very much a fairy tale, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And so uh, I really like it. I love it a lot, actually. It's and, actually like the whole thing's kind of the whole, like the whole thing or all the way to, to this number, uh, Halloween number one uh, started. It was just like, at first it was kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say it started out slow, but it's kind of like, oh, where's the story going to go? And it's almost like, well, nothing, no, nothing much has happened. It's just more like the character development, which is fucking great. And then I realized like where we are now, and it's just like holy shit, a lot of stuff happened here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's very, very yeah, good. no, for sure. Um, when he is reunited with his friends at the end, I was like, oh, I got, I got a little <laughs> like happiness in me. Um, just the sacrifice he needs to make again. I don't want to spoil because it is you know the culmination of a storyline. Yes, but the sacrifice he makes and what he's able to accomplish because of it, like with the village full of the hollow men. Fuck. Yeah. That was fucking awesome. I really enjoyed that. So, and then to even bring it all the way back. Cause at first I just thought like, Oh, they're just, they're just bridging one and two, but to, to actually capitalize and do a callback to um, the clockwork fairies. It was like, yes, yes. Like, everything matters. Like every single issue matters here. Exactly. Yeah. That one shot. Uh, so yeah, we should say that. If you don't have it, find the one shot for Canto and the Clockwork Fairies because it does yes. tie directly into this. So, which gives me like this whole fucking idea of what's going to happen in three, and like I can't wait if that does happen. Yeah, it's it's just really a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun with this book, and I love fantasy. I love you know being taken. My only issue with this book is I'm so worried it's going to have a sad ending. <laughs> like, uh. That's that's it, and I'm kind of like I don't really want it to at all. But oh, shit, like the first one was heavy still, like it was pretty heavy on its own. And to that for, for that for sure, be like a, a standalone story, it was awesome. And if they didn't if it didn't make flourish into all this, that was okay too. Uh, but I did like uh, but I like that this one was different, where it's a little more of an open ended to set us up for the actual finale. Yeah, and I, I guess it's because there's such a theme of sacrifice running through this. Mm-hmm that's probably why I'm the most worried. You know what I mean? Oh, like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh no. Like, ugh, hey, it's going to die I, now. I dared, hey David, I dare to make the next one just super happy and no sad endings. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, really great book. Uh, sad to see it's over, but happy to know it's already been, uh, they're already working on volume three. We follow them yeah. on Twitter. We're already seeing stuff. So, um, so yeah, uh, my next one, is our vault book of the week. I think this is the only vault book we have this week. That we got, yeah. yeah. There's a Vagrant Queen on 
forget there was another one. Oh, I forgot to get it. I haven't been picking up the Vagrant Queen series. Uh, the new one. I picked up the original, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Engine Ward, number seven. Um, I There's so many post-apocalyptic books out there right now. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that in the past. Um, I really like the world construction of Engine Ward quite a bit. Yeah, right. And I think that makes it stand out from a lot of them. Um, more so, and I, it's not that I don't like them, but more so than the characters. I think it's the world construction and my curiosity about it that drives me back to this. Yes. Um, so, yeah. It could like easily be tried to be compared to like 10 other things, but keyword is try because like I, I, I can't compare it to anything else, it, but it just sounds like it could be like any of the other stories that are post APOC. But that's what's so curious about this because it's just that different. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just different. And I, I like I said, I love the world building. I, I, I'm a sucker for world building. If you guys listen to the show, you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm just really liking it. This issue was great. And I really want to get your opinion on it because I think I know what you're going to say when I ask you this question. But what do you think about most of the issue being told in a by a narrator like there's almost no dialogue for half the issue yeah no that, that definitely did pop out and I actually really like that it's like as soon as we leave uh the zodiac and we come back to like the crew and it's just kind of like okay cool we're getting backstory it's like oh no no it's going on now you turn the page it's like okay cool we're, get, we're getting a big spread of like getting from a to point b yeah so the next page it's almost just like the same thing and then you realize the next one where we finally go inside and it's like okay cool this is where we get some dialogue and yeah. it does the same thing, and it's like, oh shit! But it's just, it's actually, it's actually better off this way because again, it's that curiosity about this book, and we kind of get to see that almost firsthand with the characters. Like when the dude reaches out, and he's like kind of the only magical one. It only scans for him. He's only he wanted to trigger, but he's just as confused. Uh, no, it's I actually really did like that a lot. Yeah, and they covered a lot of ground. Yeah, doing that, and a part of me was like. I kind of wanted to see these adventures, you know what I mean? <laughs> but part of me was also like, I, I appreciate the creativity of it. Mm-hmm. And it definitely did something for the story. It made it feel very epic. You know, right, cause, almost cause like then... when you read, when you read a like fantasy epic and they don't tell all the adventures because they tell you literally like, I can't tell you all the adventures because yeah. there's so much happened. So that's kind of what I got from it. And I really appreciated that. So. And it almost makes it worth it. Like towards the end, like there's like the, the second double spread of like the map. And, and we turn, turn that, turn that page. And we finally come back to actual dialogue, that panel in the bottom, like you see like the, the engine word, I, I'm, I forget her name, but how determined she looks. And she looks badass as fuck. It all just makes it made it all worth it. Like this whole issue, just like not being there, hearing the, the, the adventures, but you see the payoff like on this panel. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I thought it was it was definitely a risk, but I one hundred percent think it paid off. Yeah. So, I did love the, the. I mean, this cover, like the color and the covers of Capricorn, was really cool. And oh, man, this is, this this book is so curious. I'm just there's a big yeah. chunk, there's a big piece of this puzzle that we don't fully understand yet, and it's just like I can't wait to find out. I did not get the wraparound cover this time. Oh, really? It was sold out. Oh. I'm about to hunt it down because I love yeah. those wraparound covers. Um, I'm assuming it's Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah. So 
<laughs> so yeah, definitely be on the lookout. It'll be a good collection to have like just all the faces. Yeah, definitely. That just look great. So, uh, but great book, loving it. Uh, as always, we go through the creative team written by George Mann, drawn by Joe Eisma, colored by Michael Garland, letter by Hassan Atsame El Rao. There we go. All right, moving on to a couple of number ones. Um, let's start with Luna. No, let's oh, start okay. with Deep Beyond. Deep Beyond. Okay. Um, so Deep Beyond's published by Image. Uh, created by, and this is great because they don't actually have their like individual things they did. So I wonder how much is like them working all together. Uh, Merca Andolfo, David Goy, uh, Andrea Brocardo, and Barbara Nascenzo. Yeah, Merca and David are the Oh, wait, no, no, there it is. There it is. Yeah. I see it on the, that, I, I, the very front page. It just says created by, but then I see <laughs> a couple pages later, it actually details it out. So, um, so yeah, um, this is a very curious world. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it before, once again, world building. And um, I, I just want to know everything. <laughs> like, so uh, it did its job. So basically, I don't want to call it post-apocalyptic, but it is future. I would be safe to say. I think. Yeah. Um, and in this world, there are some... I guess you could say monsters. Um, there's also a lot of like civil unrest, maybe. <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, it's hard to describe this book without flat out spoiling shit for you, right? Because because right now we don't know what players like are really where land where, uh, and it just be a spoiler just because it's just it really just sets up the tone and the setting, if anything, of like yeah, yeah. This, of this world. Imagine trying to explain why the last man after reading the first issue. That's what we're <laughs> running into. <laughs> like, and all you have is just your premise. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're kind of like, it's really good, but I don't know what to tell you yet. <laughs> like, so um, I really, really enjoy it. I love the art. I'll just say that outright. Yeah. Um, it's probably it's probably my favorite part of the book. And you know me, I'm a writing guy. Mm-hmm. But this art just jumps out at me. So um, I love the character designs. I love the wardrobes. I thought the wardrobe was done really well in general. Uh, that was one thing that jumped out at me. And it's just really cool. I, I like it a lot. And um, what about you? What, what are you thinking? So I definitely like it. I definitely was going to be jumping on board because of Mercon Dolfo, uh, her work on, on Mercy. Was just, I, I just enjoyed that book. So yeah. her just actually kind of like having a duo approach, a duo ap- writing approach. I can definitely see like where this book really excels. It's just, it's really cool. And just like, it's a lot more open. And like, it's like that world building. I just like, you get that scene with uh, the aristic, the, the fat cats. Let's just call them the fat cats. And then the next scene, you just see that like, the windows were just that were just screens on playing off of just like of the old life. And I just thought that was just like, again, like they really just like opened the world in that moment. Uh, yeah. No, but there's still just like a lot to unpack. I fucking love like the guy that's like, that looks like prodigy just cause he has like the yellow glasses. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm just gonna be a fan of his for the whole book. <laughs> yeah. He seems to be our main character. Yeah. Definitely one of those that we follow, but it seems like there's gonna be like, a, a cast. Yeah. Like yeah, definitely a lot of places that we gotta follow. A lot of like professions that can actually go out in the field. Uh, but yeah, speaking of like this world, like it definitely on like the, on the way it plays, it reminds me of like uh, Devolution by Rick Remender. Mm-hmm. 
was that? Might have been IDW. But but devolution is just like it becomes like this crazy messed up world, and it just it's almost like the same like uh, like this. So I can only imagine what craziness is like is, is the unexpected of of the shit that's out there. Yeah. So I picked up the blank cover, the white cover. Oh, nice! Because yeah. it's a oh, yeah. wraparound white cover. Oh, really cool! So it can be drawn on the back too. And Ooh. yeah, and so. I know that um, you know Merka doesn't do the art, but I was For thinking, book, how, but you I was thinking how cool it'd be to have one do on one side and the other do on the other. That's exactly like, where my mind went. Yeah, uh, I so. also did not get the cover A. Uh, I could not find it, um, and it, so but what I did get because it was like I could only find like the Peach Momoko cover, uh, but I ended up finding the Virgin Peach Momoko variant. So it's like there's like no text; it's just like the picture. Oh, so yeah. I can just have them like just have fun with it, just like on the part that were, there there would be text. Nice, yeah, definitely a book I want to get signed. Oh, for sure. And, and I usually only reserve that for books I really give a crap about. So that mm-hmm. tells you a lot about this book. So, um, and then our last indie book published by Boom Studios and Josue, I am gonna have you take lead on this after I introduce it because I greatly enjoyed this book. But this is a Hostway book. <laughs> so, uh, Luna number one, um, created by, written by, drawn by Maria Lovett. She did everything. Yeah. The only thing she didn't do was one of the variant covers. <laughs> so, um, what did you think? Uh, it, it, it was not what I expected at all. Like, you look at the cover and how, how like, vibrant it is with, the, with like the colors uh and it's like okay cool i'm from boom i was thinking it's like leaning more towards wind and then i flip it over to the back and i like it's like I see, the, I see the lips and everything i was like see that's pretty cool like with the skull and at the very bottom suggested for mature readers like oh interesting oh, like, yeah, oh. after that, <laughs> yeah, it's a big oh it's like all right let's do it and yeah how, right. how, how to put the book into words uh Y'all know how much I love Coffin Bound meets the the Manson family. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's got some culty vibes. It's got some culty vibes, and but just like straight up, like you get you get your first page, and it's kind of a classic setting. Is just a girl kind of coming to, and we have that mystery of what's of what's good about to go on, and then you turn the page, and it's this beautiful double page spread of awesomeness it was like just take your take your favorite tarot readings take your just like the wildest trip and just put it all into your vision it's it's really fucking cool so yeah i knew i was gonna be really into this book but there's not much to really like really go on except for like you know there could be something weird that's a weird that's about to happen right now like uh, this girl is just having like a good time setting in with this with this group of people that just that's why i bring in the manson family because it was just like that kind of too happy culty vibe yeah yeah definitely so um i i got the two cover by the way that's Um, okay cool yeah so the one with her like all hippied out and stuff yeah yeah that was a cool one um I will say this, the art is super, super lush. Yes. Like, there's such a lushness, and that's the only word I can think of, really, is lush, and it's just it's just great. Um, 
it's it's also weird and dark in some ways. Right. While at the same time, it's just like almost the like prettiest of settings. Almost. And I don't want to say this because it's it's. I think it's not a good comparison, but especially the last half of it, kind of like Animal Man. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Like the red, how they illustrate the red in Animal Man. Yeah. No, I got you. Yeah, and it's like if you're a big fan of that creepy look. Yeah, that's, this yeah, that's is for great, you. It's a great comparison on like at the very least, like the page usage, like um, Yannick Patrick, or the 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 first artist to the New Fifty Two Swamp Thing. His page use use was amazing. Like the way that he would break panels panels apart based on like the roots and just like literally use all of the page. And in this case, when there's a part where she's tripping out and her eyes literally are just like duplicating like just off uh, off into the page it's oh, yeah. just you get some great tripping uh tripping out pages and uh, yeah it's it's interesting you, a, you you definitely like that kind of thing more than me is why i thought of you is because yeah, i was no, like for sure like just really bizarre art and stuff it's definitely more up your alley than mine but i did enjoy this book and i'm gonna keep up going with it so. and it's only because we we've only gotten like I get. I guess you would say a hint of what, like, what to expect, you know, or like what, or just to get, like, oh, and this book is about this. We didn't really get that. It's just like really her setting in, but just like, it's just like that. Like, I guess like the cliffhanger of just like you can someone seeing maybe through her eyes, but there's, but we still don't, we still don't fully understand why and where other first issues tend to give off a little bit more. There's still just like more. I really want to know about this book. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, I'm here for it. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. So, um, cool. So that's the last of our independent books. Now we're going to move on to DC. Oh man, Hostway actually picked up several DC books this week. So I am going to start with the ones that he did not pick up. Okay. And I think it says a lot about the state of DC. That helps we picked up every book that doesn't have Batman or Superman in it. So well, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, reason number one is, like, the Batman books are still just super fucking overpriced. That shouldn't be. And I would have gotten more DC books had you would allow more of the other titles to have more issues. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, I think it's important that we point out that these other books have a lot of interest in them. Yeah. And I think we need to, they, they need to realize that, that we care about this stuff. So um, I'll start off with Superman of Metropolis. Um, so this is continuing the Jonathan Kent as Superman story. Uh, and I told you before, I really like the idea of him as Superman. I think he brings something different to the table, especially the fact that he is a, um, he's half human. Um, so that adds a different wrinkle to everything. Um, it basically, the Superman of Metropolis is only getting two issues. Um, so it wraps up the story. And it does a pretty good job of how basically symbolically having him get over the fact that his father is Superman while also doing the right thing. And the name Superman of Metropolis is important because basically in the end, he swears himself to protect Metropolis. That's his job now. Like, everybody else has Superman. He's the Superman of Metropolis. Oh, okay. So, so I thought that was a pretty cool thing. I mean, he's obviously going to help out if things go wrong, but <laughs> um, basically he feels like he, he failed Metropolis 
from the storyline, which I won't get into. If you want to read it, go for it. Um, but he, he feels like he f- failed them, and so he's just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I need to basically set myself down and decide that, you know, I am going to be the Superman of Metropolis. So um, I thought it was pretty good. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I like change in DC. Um, I think DC's kind of stagnant in a lot of ways. And so seeing a big change like that is really cool. Um, not my favorite book. Um, the, obviously, it's a Superman book. I'm not going to be the biggest fan of it because I'm just not a Superman fan. But I will say I like John Kent way more than Clark. So, um, Written by Sean Lewis, drawn by John Timms, colored by Gabe Eltabe, and lettered by Dave Sharp. Now, also in this book is two backup stories, one for Mr. Miracle, which is weird because I think it takes place between the first Mr. Miracle story in this book's issue one, but before the one in the other Superman book, that's also a Mr. Miracle story. So it's filling in blanks backwards for me, which is, yeah. which is good, I guess. Um, written by Brandon Easton, drawn by Valentin Delandro, uh, colored by Marissa Louise, and lettered by Dave Sharp as well. This one is one of those ones that has a cool sketchy style, and I really dig it. Um, of the sketchy styles, this is probably one of my favorites. Um, and I just really like what he has to do. He kind of has to make, um, he kind of has to make things just kind of work for him. Uh, he, he has the mother box and the mother box like has no power. So instead of being like super powerful with the mother box, he's literally just trying his best basically. (laughs) So, um, he can't use all of its power. He can't drain it too much. And he's, constantly being threatened so he has to like make these calculated decisions and i like it i always like mr miracle as like the ultimate escape artist too so that helps a lot um but yeah um pretty good i really enjoyed that the other backup story for it is um the guardian uh written by sean lewis drawn by collie hamner uh colored by laura martin and letter by ann world um one of my least least favorite DC stuff from future state. Um, and it's not, I mean, I've liked a lot of future state, so that's not saying too much, but I don't like guardian. I just don't, I never have. And there's a lot of police imagery with guardian that kind of like irks me. Now in this case, guardian is, um, is black, so obviously that offsets some of the police imagery. You know what I mean? Uh, but still, it's just kind of like... I don't know. I feel like there's better ground-level heroes. So I'm not so much criticizing the book so much as I'm criticizing... I just don't care for this character. Mm. You know what I mean? And I just... I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. So, mm. um, yeah. But um, it also, keep in mind, had a quarter of a comic book to tell me a story. So... Right. You know, I would have liked instead of some of these books getting five parts, is if Batman and Superman each got, say, two parts and some of these got actual books of their own. Hmm. Maybe you would have enough time to like me, get me to like the character like you did with Harley Quinn. Which, once again, you all know I do not like Harley Quinn, but I love this book, which we're going to talk about in a bit. So, Um, but yeah, it it, it was fine. It was it was inoffensive. I didn't dislike it. It's just not something that really grabbed me and grabbed my attention or anything. So, uh, next up is the next Batman. 
this is a number three, and it's our first number three for Future State. Hmm. Uh, also has three stories contained. Written by John Ridley, art by Laura Braga, uh, breakdowns by Nick Darrington, and colors by Arif Prianto. Uh, also lettering by Clayton Cowles. Uh, this is continuing the story of the, the couple that murdered the guy that abused their daughter. And the next Batman is trying to protect them. Now, this is interesting because I think I misread something, and now it's even more intriguing for me. I've been talking about Luke Fox as Batman. He's not. Because now we're seeing Luke Fox side by side, or not side by side with Batman, but we're seeing him do things while Batman's doing something else. What? Okay. So they, so they still haven't told us who Batman is. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Is the Batman that's outside, like, still covering his face? Like, fully? Yes. Fully okay. covered. Yeah. We still haven't seen anything. And there is a bit, it's something to do with the, the Fox family, maybe his brother, I think it was. Uh, but Luke was the one who was Batwing. And so, um, I think it was his sister walks up and is basically like, um, you lied about being Batwing. And he's like, but I'm not Batman, I promise you that, basically. So they hmm. basically effectively told us it's not Batman. So I'm kind of curious to see what's going to be. Um, but it's been a pretty good story. It's basically him trying to protect these people from the magistrate. He's trying to get them arrested, actually, for murder, so that the magistrate doesn't just straight up murder them for wearing a mask, basically. Because that's what the magistrate's going to do. So it kind of tells you how far justice has fallen in Gotham. So, um, But yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. Uh, the next part was The Outsiders, which you'll remember I really enjoyed with Katana last time. Yeah. Um. So this one, yeah, the three main characters are The Signal, Katana, and Black Lightning. And there's so many dope things that happen in this one. I just love some of the decisions, creative decisions they made. Um, written by Brandon Thomas. Uh, penciled by Sumit Kumar. Inked by Raul Fernandez and Sumit Kumar. Colored by Jordi Belair and lettered by Steve Wands. Um, this is the conclusion to this story, which is a crime that should keep going. Mm. Um. So basically, <clears throat> I told you last time Black Lightning's kind of like trapped in lightning form now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As a cliffhanger, yeah, yeah. And you find out that um that Katana's sword, Tatsu or Tatsu's mm-hmm. sword, was damaged. It's broken. And um, Black Lightning is. He's like trying to help her out and all this stuff, and they're trying to fight, trying to fight this bad guy. Um, and Black Lightning uses his powers to reforge the katana, and not only that, he transforms. And I, I believe I understand this. He transforms himself into a second katana that's made of lightning. What? Okay, that's sick as fuck. Yeah, and so she uses just wreck shit, right? Oh my god! Okay, that's, and, that's, that's, that's some like Gorgon shit. That's I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, and then Signal uh, is the one basically leading the um, the revolution in Gotham now. And uh, after she gets the the sword back, um, the Signal goes out with the uh, Black Lightning katana, and he's basically oh, okay. and he's basically talking shit, and they're like, shoot him. And then it's this awesome shot of him standing there with his arms behind or arms in his pockets with black lightning standing beside him. He's like, shoot then. And that's how it ends. Ooh. And I want more of this, goddammit. Like it's just so good. So <sighs> such a shame. Yeah. And then the last story is Gotham Knights, and this is also a conclusion. 
Um, they put never the end, but I, you know, I think that's kind of like you know, stylized. Uh, drawn or written by Paul Jenkins, drawn by pa- Jack Herbert, colored by Gabe Altieb as well, and letter by Rob Lay. Um, this is the one with all the villains teaming up and stuff, and um, they basically they take out another one of the peacekeepers, which are the big commanders. Um, but in the end, it costs them one of their number, and I'm not going to tell you who. <laughs> um, but it's just really cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's very much like I think. Don't tell anybody, but I think it's a better Suicide Squad than Suicide Squad. Ooh, <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah. Um, but all in all, good book. Uh, if you do want to pick up one of the big Batman books, um, well, Dark Detective is incredible, but the next Batman is definitely a good choice as well. Um, cool. So. All right, so that takes us to the ones we share. Oh, nice. Next up, we'll start with one of the best books of all of this series, Harley Quinn number two. Oh, man, right? Um, so I've been talking a while. I'll let you go and start off this here. Uh, yeah, Harley Quinn, and this one's gonna is by Stephanie Phillips and uh, Simone DeMio. As a, as an artist, was it? And Tamara Bonvillano is a colors. God, this book's incredible. Yeah. It's just, we, we said it's one of like our dream creative teams. Like if we were just putting creative teams together, that'd be the kind of shit we would come up with. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so we pick up on like, we're using Harley as her, was she's a psychiatrist, right? Yeah. 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 I want to get the, the wrong, the wrong position. Uh, but using as her psychiatrist brain to pick out some of these crimes with Jonathan Crane. Um, we get some like pretty cool some um, black mask like scenes like yeah. that that first scene is just like really sinister and just like goddamn black mask is just a dig <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah so Jonathan Crane is just like it's just after black mask and it's like yeah and they're, they're kind of doing this like yeah this, this duo of like trying to trying to solve this right and and the whole time it's like they're trying to push Jonathan Crane to to use his mask like, to go back to to the scarecrow. And this is during the magic, the magic, magistrix time. So uh, he's actually really adamant about like, no, I'm not. I as in like not even for that reason, but it's like I don't want to be that person again. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um. So yeah. Um. So what is it? They're almost yeah. They're almost after like Black Mask or who? Who are they going after? Yeah, they're going to Black Mask. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like skipping through. I was like kind of just like brushed through like everything yesterday. Um, <laughs> so one thing i love about this book is uh the scarecrow's design yeah spoiler no, sure. does put the mask on <laughs> i mean this is this is the number two out of part two so yeah the uh during it he does finally don it and yeah it is really cool yeah i really dig it. basically every character design is amazing in this like the three mains black mask harley and him all look just incredible no, the, the black mask mask is honestly really fucking cool yeah, dude. So I, I I just really like the character designs in this a lot, um, and it was a cool story. It was it was very much a Harley Quinn story, without being too much of the stuff I don't like about Harley. Right. You know what I mean. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm really digging it. Uh, did you did you like it as much as the first issue? Um, I feel like. Like reading, sorry, rereading this together. I'm just gonna like it as a whole. Like now that I, now you get like the full picture, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I the first the first 
issue was a great intro intro into this Harley of just like p- literally picking her brain on how she would solve these mysteries and just how like on the like she was just like nailing it and uh, and then just this one just seeing her in action was just really cool or at least like just her poking at Jonathan Green the whole time like seeing that side of Harley is like we have history so I know how I can like get at you in in this case it could to egg you on into a fight so I thought that was like a di- different take or cool just di- didn't feel like the same as the first issue yeah definitely um i think it's a great little complete story yeah it sucks that it's complete um because this is by far the most interesting she's been for me in a long time so if he comes back i will definitely pick up the next uh simon demio dc book i don't care like what the book is if it's someone i don't even care about i would just want to see his take on another dc character it's just like his his use on pages where like you know there's more to it but like the close-up that he uses to just put on the page it's just like everything you just need. It's just, it's really good. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, moving on. Let's talk about Swamp Thing. Ooh, okay. Um, yet another book that I quite enjoyed, but I'm going to refer to you because it's definitely more <laughs> of your thing. So yeah. uh, uh, I'll, I'll do the, the creative team real quick, though. Uh, written by Ram V. Uh, art by Mike Perkins, colors by Jun Chung, and lettering by Didia Budakar. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what do you think? <laughs> uh, I think. I mean, I think the start of the of the team is is Ram V. Like the dude has been putting out some great books, and this Swamp Thing book, this two little two parter, is just oh god, it's just so awesome. Like yep. the way he just made Swamp Thing as like the way I was talking about him in the first issue, I was in like, he's the new God of earth and right. And rightfully so he's like the green, the green God of the earth. Like finally mm-hmm. away with most of the red and the flesh. And now we can actually inhabit the earth as and cherish as it, as it was meant to be. And man, this book just makes you like hit that side where like, well, he was also, he's also human and, and hubris and shit happens. And God damn it. This book had just like feels that I didn't even know we're coming, dude. It was awesome. Yeah. Like it still it still does a thing. It's like before I guess like to that tragic part. I love that this book still does. Like he wasn't like Rambi or Swamp Thing wasn't done explaining how he went with like rebuilding the anatomy of of humans into his new green species and how like right yeah with like almost like weaponizing like the the hands but for survival in a way and like or or to just like implement like a different kind of pigment to survive cold like winter and cold conditions as like their tree people so how would they go up into like the snowy blizzard he fucking thought of that it's fucking awesome god it's just like it's everything i love about it and then at the end he has a choice to make and i just hated this choice and it's like it's not where it's like oh it's just shit writing i want to do I, I wouldn't do that like i get it i honestly i get it but god it fucking hurt, and but but then it made sense on how it bridges into Immortal Wonder Woman, uh, like very well. And it's like I was like, cool, I, I I see that now, and that's really cool how like they treat him over there. But damn it, did I hate this choice so fucking much? <laughs> and yeah. the fact that they that he makes you feel it, like when like everybody just like saying they're wise, like why they're why would you? Is like God, seriously, Swamp Thing, like why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm human and I don't fucking understand why you did it. Like God. <laughs> yeah. That's very good. Um it's one of those um beyond comics 
like uh-huh. beyond what people normally understand comics to be kind of stories oh yeah like if, if you're just like oh, i just i know some if, if you're like on that level it's one you just you just definitely have to write it out if it's like a block you don't really understand yeah exactly like you, you'll get your context clues once you kind of read other pages <clears throat> to kind of come back to it it will make sense yeah it's just it's just it's dark it's it's interesting it's just it's just very good I yeah, mean, I, I, and even then, like I, I going after like that choice of, and I said what I said. I did like the ending after like so much evolution. Like they still have to wear like the visors once they once they came back out, and it's like okay, that, that that's some good evolution. Like that's a good trait to have or to implement on here. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Ah oh, man, uh, that leads us to the Flash. Um, so you did pick up the original first flash book. Yeah. I picked it up after like the the week after. Yeah. And then you got, uh, so you got this one too. Yes. Um, so what are we thinking on this one? Um, I like this one a lot better. I'll go through the creative team real quick. Yes. Uh, Brandon Vitti, uh, writing Brandon Peterson, Will Conrad artist, uh, Micah Taya coloring and Steve Wan's lettering. Uh, so yeah, you, you like this one a lot better. You said, well, now that I can, can I fully grasp like what was going on or just like a, what I was ready for. Um, and then finally getting some explanation. Cause the, the first one just like kind of like, just drops you on like, yo, it's just been going on. And Wally West is just like this now. So have fun. And then you're not going to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so bracing myself, what was, I guess what I was expecting. It was just like a lot better. Like the fight was really cool. Um, <laughs> fucking barriers like yeah i'm just like uh um i reverse engineered all my all my rogues equipment and just made them better because i'm smarter than them i'm, I'm faster than them, i'm smarter than them, so i can do that <laughs> I, I it's still the thing that appealed to me most about this series this brief series is him adapting all the the rogues tools that was just oh so cool dude like, imagine if he did have the speed force on him and he had these weapons like oh yeah like dude that's fucking awesome he does look like, like old man barry it's fucking dope. I, I I would read the shit out of this book more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I dug it. Um, I don't like that Max Mercury just dies off screen. That was kind of weird to me. Oh yeah, but but I think that's because my favorite Flash run ever was Impulse, and <laughs> Ma- Max Mercury is like one of the most important characters in that run. Probably besides Impulse, the most important character. Mm. So. I'm a big Max Mercury fan, so I was kind of like, "Oh man, like he survived the fight, and then you're just gonna kill him off screen." I'm like, "That sucks." Yeah. But I mean, I get it. Again, they only have two issues to tell their story, so. But this is one even one of those books that wasn't even split into two stories. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, shout, shout out to one of my favorite panels of the week is when uh, Barry uses uh, the goggles. That rainbow beam, man, yes. that should be someone's power, like always. That's uh, I should I need to see this in more pages. <laughs> Definitely. And then just and then for what he uses it for, it's like, oh, it's really pretty. Oh fuck, that's really that's hardcore as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. And I saved this one for last because of course I did. Oh man. Yeah. Wonder Woman number two. Yara Floor is Bay. Let's just yep. get that out of the way. Absolutely. Uh so could you believe, Josue, if I told you that this book that we've loved so much is written and drawn by the same person. Oh man, fuck yeah. <laughs> How talented do you have to be to write and draw this book? <laughs> like I, mean, I wish yeah, I, it's I, like, wish I, was I love talented the way it either of those things. <laughs> like, I know, right? Seriously. <laughs> so uh yeah, written and drawn by Joel Jones. 
Uh, coloring by Jordi Belair and Clayton Cowles doing the lettering. So Yara Flora continues her journey into the underworld. And she's trying, we figure out why she's there. She's there to save somebody. As we know, journeys to the underworld to save people don't usually go as planned, unfortunately. Uh, but the cool thing is, is we got to see a bunch of familiar faces in the underworld, oh, like man. Hades and Persephone. <laughs> and good God, did I love the character designs. Dude, yes, right? Yeah, I would. I the first thing I thought is I got to show Liz this because she'll love it. So, um, like especially when she shows up and there's a panel where it's almost like he where, because he just shuts up. He's <laughs> like, okay, fine, well, I'll do it. That yeah. that face, like it's almost like a, they use like a real face, or 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 she's just that talented. Yeah, it, it was just it just wasn't what you're expecting under like the shadow that you were just seeing like all those panels before. It was just such a cool cool face that just came out of nowhere because he came out of hiding because. The, because the web came out. Yeah, exactly. So, and uh, I think they even had Xanathos appear, like like lots of like even a few deep cuts, which I thought was pretty cool. So, and there's such a great sense of humor to the Yar Floor storyline. Um, that's also mixed with some pretty severe tragedy. You know, like mm-hmm. her stealing the the dude's arm bone to throw for the dog. You know, and stuff like that. <laughs> it was great. But then at the same time, there's like this weird darkness too, and I'm like, I really enjoy this so much. So, um, it's, I think it's past Harley Quinn on my list. Okay. As far as books, I mean, so yeah, it's up, I mean, it's up there with Aquaman and Catwoman now for me. Oh, nice! It's, it's oh, that's right, you three. did make up that one up there. Catwoman, I need, I need, well, both of those, I need another issue. This is two issues, and they're both great. So, you know, it's already proven yes. more than one issue. So, um, I wanted to ask you, because we're not going to get too much into spoilers for any of these, um, because I really want you guys to buy this so we get more of it. Um, yes. <laughs> but, um, did you get, and I'm not saying this as far as the story goes, but this is me speaking in code as much as I can. Did you get, Valkyrie from uh, Thor Ragnarok feels from her relationship with the person <laughs> she was saving. Um, I was uh, for a second, but I did see it as a friendship. If it is, like, oh fuck yeah! Uh, yeah. But I did see one of those like um, those like deep the mascara of like relationships, like friendships, like like in that they're just like that they were that tight, which is why she literally go to Hades and back almost and just try it twice. Uh, I'm, just, but, I'm just saying she, I'm sure many, many Amazonians have passed away. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And she's gone for one of them is all I want to say. <laughs> and, at the, and at the very, and at the very same, like, like what, what is sexuality and one and, and just like one, like when it's just like, it's just women. So it's just like, yeah, if it is and it is, it's just like, there's no other way around it. Yeah. Uh, but it was just like I don't know. It was it wasn't uh, that obvious, which I which I guess I appreciated. Yeah. No, I I I, I was just like, okay, I'm down with this. Like, yeah, it, it, it didn't feel too pandering, if if anything. Because yeah. so so, but if it does, if it is there, then like, fuck yeah, then like, I'll definitely reread the shit and like in in that lens, and just like appreciate it more. Yeah. So, am I reading this correctly in that this is the last issue of this? Yeah, I mean, it was two to two, right? And then, but it's also it's also only the beginning. We know that's like what is it, uh, Infinite Frontier or post that she will still be around. But yeah, I guess this, this is it for the for Yara Flores Wonder Woman book for Future State. 
hate that. I, like that. <laughs> I know. I mean, we do. We still don't see her in Superman, Wonder Woman, and Justice yeah. League. But yeah, her solo book in Future State, I guess it is done. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sucks. I want. I want all of y'all floor. Yeah, she's great. Just get rid of Diana. No one cares. <laughs> I wouldn't go so. that far either. Also, <laughs> give me like a good like the last ten years of the of the immortal Wonder Woman to the build up to it is now because. I want to know all about that super powerful Wonder Wonder Woman, Diana. So yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I take it back. Diana's not that bad. Just, <laughs> it's just I really dig this character. Well, Yar Floor came with the fucking boom and just kept fucking running. She's amazing. And I'm gonna repeat what I said for Superman Wonder Woman is that uh, Yar Floor is thick. Hell <laughs> yeah, booty. and I'm like hell yeah, <laughs> like I dig that. I dig that a lot. So, um, yeah. So that's our DC for the week. Now we're going to jump over to Marvel. Um, we each have one solo book for Marvel. Yes. So I'll start with mine. Gwenham versus Carnage number two. Uh, so obviously this is part of the King and Black crossover, which is a words you're going to be hearing us say quite a bit this week. Uh, written by Sean and McGuire. Uh, drawn by Flaviano and Igora, uh, colored by Rico Renzi, and lettered by Ariana Mayer. Um, so, as we know, this is about Spider-Gwen, uh, slash Ghost Spider, slash Spider-Woman, slash all of her other names. And how her version of Mary Jane has been possessed by a symbiote calling itself Carnage. And it's attacking her. Um, and you actually find out a lot about her version of Mary Jane and the, and the background between them, because they're in a band together. Do, do, have you read much much Spider Gwen? I have not actually. Okay, so in her world, they're in a girl punk band. Yeah, and Mary which is Jane, really dope. Yeah, and MJ's the lead, and they're called the Mary Janes, which is just excellent. And so um, the whole thing is, and it's kind of played for a laugh, is that she's always. Um, she's always late to practice because she's spider girl and no one knows, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so she's always late or she has to bail. And it's always like Mary Jane's upset because I'm not there again, which I'm like, poor Mary Jane, like getting bailed on by two different spider people in two different universes constantly. has got to be like the worst. She's a fucking person too. Like, yeah, sorry, like, she doesn't have fucking spider powers. Yeah. Like, she, like I could just imagine this, this Mary Jane being like, why well, go to the other world? I bet the other Mary Jane doesn't get bailed on Gwen Stacy because she's dead. And then she comes over here and it's Spider-Man bailing on Mary Jane constantly. And I'm like, Jesus, she just can't get away from it. So, um, but yeah, she's sad, dude. <laughs> she basically gets infected with this carnage symbiote. And you find out that she actually took Gwen abandoning her constantly a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. And this Mary Jane is a lot more like ultimate Mary Jane. Okay. Where she's not a supermodel. Uh, she's kind of a plain looking. She's pretty, but you know she's kind of plain looking. And this is what she sees as her chance to actually be famous and to quote be special. And Gwen's already special, and so you find out she's actually genuinely upset at Gwen for ruining quote their chance to be special. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's really sad. And so it, basically, she she takes off to attack other people. And Gwen goes to chase her. That's how it ends up. Not a lot of progression as far as this goes, as far as the story, or not the story, the fight, but we get so much background. So that was really, really good. Um, 
I quite enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I love the Gwenum design. Uh, obviously, I've talked about Spider Gwen's costume being my favorite costume ever. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just an extension of that. Um, but yeah, pretty good. It doesn't tie directly into King of Black much, except that she's Carnage, basically. Um, yeah, that's everything for that one. What about yourself? I know you have a Marvel solo book. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's a perfect uh, little segue because it's still a King and Black tie-in, uh, and it's a Venom thirty-three. So I guess like the closest to the main thing of the main line. Yeah, there's like the one closest to it. Um, to it, uh, spawned off of it. So, man, where do we start with this one? That uh, it is it is it definitely focused on Eddie Brock and in his how he went to like that weird post afterlife, but really where he went, it was um his body's fucked. It, it was his body did die. Uh, but instead of his soul dying, it was almost like in a way preserved in uh, part of his codex that is pretty much like left and printed on you every time you take on a symbiote. So that's where at the very least his soul got to go. Um, and we get a cool little recap of what's been going on. I'm about to send you on like this dope shot of Dylan. It, it, it starts off with Spider-Man just talking about like, hey, it's like, it's totally cool. You have to, you, you should know that this is what happens next. It's completely your choice if you don't want to do this i will be on your side if, if, if it's too much i completely fucking get it yeah uh that was really really cool but it was that shot of like dylan just be like no i just feel like i just want to hurt something um so it's a dope shot of like the other side of when he fucks up cap or when he catches the shield nice. um it, it's a great it's a great uh, two-page That's spread a great double page spread yeah yeah so it's a cool getting a, a different angle of that already really really dope shot um so Back on the actual hive, it is uh, Rex, uh, the uh, the Vietnam uh, symbiote host, Venom symbiote host, uh, with Eddie walking around. And where we le- last left off is that yeah, we we have a man on the inside, and it's anti Venom anti Venom agent Flash Thompson, Venom, so in a super dope way. Yeah, so they get a little sweet catch up. Um, it's awesome. Um, fucking Eddie gets um gets the feeling that Dylan is out there now and he, and he's fucking up some, some symbiotes and thus where they're at, there's like a, a weird red thing just that kind of appears and Eddie kind of calls it out. It's like, it's kind of more of a bruise. Like Dylan's thing is actually working out there. Let's go through it. It just almost becomes like a portal. And it's like, so what's on the other side? And Eddie is like in this super edgy stuff. And it's like, it's hell. And it, it almost looks like a doom setting. It's just like completely red. And it does look indeed like hell. But no, he explained that this is like the central nervous system that connects all the symbiotes in the, in the universe. Hence, like the, the, the center of the hive mind. Um, and what they come to find out is that there are these symbiotes. Symbiotes are taking other symbiotes that are like in these cage and these capsules somewhere else. And, and, he started, and he's explaining that those are the symbiotes that are being disconnected by Dylan and Thor. Thor is seriously fucking up a lot of symbiotes as well, which is super, which is super dope to get that, that confirmation. Um, they're basically uh, free of Null's influence. Like um, back, way back when, like a whole planet when they, when they were, when they were free of his influence the first time around, that's why Null was, was captured in that planet. Cause it was literally a whole planet size of his, of his spawns turned on him. So now these ones are just being taken away, so they're just they're not being used. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, so Flash is like, so how, how the fuck do you know this? Is like, oh, because I can I can sense my others calling out to me. So it's cool. We might get we might get Venom back from the other side uh, 
sooner or later, at least that's what I'm piecing together. Or maybe and the and the rest of the MU getting their own symbiotes to be able to be able to fight back. That won't be part of his Noel's influence. But in order to get close, uh, at least one person has to make the sacrifice. And Eddie does like his Eddie thing, like I'll do it. I'm already dead. Will Flash is like, you're you're stupid, dude. You at least have a fucking body. Like I I'm gonna fucking do it. And and it's actually a, a great way for Donny Cates to just be like, don't worry, I'm, I there's no way I can retcon. He's respecting Flash's death, and because he anybody in the MU would just be like, well, I'm just going to use it to bring him back. Like, uh, cause so, so he can just be around and have his own book. But no, at the very least he's like, he's honoring his death. And he goes out literally like fucking guns blazing in his anti venom self. And like in, in no other fucking fashion, he, he, it was, it was fucking dope. Only right before being able to being taken by Noel and all of his shit, <laughs> there was a plan. <laughs> And there's an anti-venom dragon now. <laughs> yes. Oh god, it's so it's so dope. Um, awesome. And then the cliffhanger is that Re- at the very at the very least, Noel gets one win and he's able to take over Rex, who was next to Eddie Brock. And it literally ends with like, "Where have I seen this before?" And it's like Noel holding Eddie over like a building, like like how it just happened in the beginning. But there's an anti-venom dragon. <laughs> That's fucking dope. <laughs> so when that comes out don't don't expect that well that was out of nowhere it happens in venom 33 nice all right uh we're gonna take a break from king and black for a second okay uh we're gonna talk about star wars the high republic okay cool um now you weren't able to pick up the first issue when i talked about it i, well, I got the first issue but was it were, did you talk about it in the same episode i did did I get it after? I, I mean, I do have the first issue. You know, you you were able to get it right away. I was uh, I forgot. I, you were able to. I wasn't able to because I had to. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. I had to hunt it down. So, uh, so Star Wars: The High Republic, uh, obviously published by Marvel. So it's the Marvel half of that publishing partnership we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Kevin Scott, drawn by Ario Anandito, inked by Mark Morales, uh, colored by Annalisa Leone, and lettered by Ariana Mayer. Um, by the way, Ariana Mayer has one of my favorite Twitter account names on Twitter, which is Commentary, but Ari is A-I-R-Y. So Commentary. Oh, huh? Nice. Oh, I love it so much. So I'm a nerd. Anyways, um, so yeah, we continue the story of uh, Keeve Trannis, the uh, young woman who was a Padawan in the last issue, became a full Jedi. So it looks like we're just going to be following her story as basically her beginning time of being a Jedi. And... Um, we're also following her Jedi master uh, who trained her, who is now like, you know, he's obviously her elder in the Jedi, but you know, they're equals now. And uh, that's master skier, skier. Um, who is a lizard like guy. Hence um, the double S you have yeah, to say it. Skier. skier yeah. So <laughs> um, we also meet two new characters who are gonna, probably going to be reoccurring characters in this. Which is Seret and Tarek, who are twins who share a brain. Uh, I really like this concept of them. Yeah, I do too. I also like the idea of them dueling because if they share a brain, they know what she's just gonna do. So it's like <laughs> so pointless to me, but I love it. And uh, they basically are there to uh, rescue some people from a ship. And let's just say they can't. Uh, we have an amazing two-page spread where they find the dead hut 
And that's just the art of that is so great. Like, basically, they just find a dead hut with cuts and blaster shots in him, and he's poisoned, and he's just like, all belly up. It looks excellent. And um, they get surprised by a bad guy, and we see Skier kind of lose it and just butcher the bad guy, basically. And that's not the Jedi way. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> so, um, we go forward a bit, and Skier goes with one of the twins. Which one? Uh, with Skier? I think it was Cedic. Cedic, yeah. No, Sarret. Sarret with him. Sarret, yeah. Sarret with him, yeah. Um, and basically, uh, Tarek feels something horrible has happened to Sarret. And uh, Seer is just, like, distracted by being a dickhead, basically, by being aggressive. So Serret is taken, and his, his lightsaber is left behind. So uh, I hope he doesn't die, because I really like the concept of the twins. So I know, um, right? And it's like, I know, we, we can't lose them just yet. Yeah. And again, I, I go back to what I said earlier about the last Star Wars book. I'm just really happy to have a Star Wars book where the Jedi are all in power and they're doing missions around the universe and they're not fighting an overwhelming force all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just nice to have that. So uh, I'm digging it. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I like all the new characters too. So I cannot wait till I get to actually start the new Star Wars novel. I've just been really trying to get to it, but I have so many books to read. So Yeah, uh, I know, right? <laughs> did you have anything else you wanted to say about it? Uh, uh, no, I mean, it, it, was, it was just um, definitely the highlight of, highlight of the book was the twins and, like, th their link and how they can actually maybe tap into the force with it. Like, but you're right, like, like sparring with each other would be completely useless or at the very least, like, try to outthink, but you know what they're going to think or uh, it would it would actually make for a really great spar knowing that you're safe, but you know that your other stuff is going to try to beat you and you're both rocking lightsabers, so it could be to the death. Yeah. But again, you know what they're thinking. I, I actually really like that fight. Yeah, um, totally. So, yeah, a good book. Yeah, totally. Um, and keeping off of King and Black for just another second here, we are going to talk about Strange Academy number eight. I Ooh. usually save Strange Academy for late in it because it's one of our favorites. But I do want to put all the King and Blacks together in the end. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, we get an immediate follow-up from last week's issue. I know. It's so strange. Which, which is I'm good not, because not complaining. <laughs> yeah. I'll take an issue every week, thank you. Um, <laughs> but so last issue, Dole Dormammu was seemingly brought back to life by Emily kissing him on the forehead. Uh quickly, oh yeah, creative team. If you don't know this one by now, uh Scotty Young writing, Humberto Ramos drawing, Edgar Delgado doing the uh coloring. And Clayton Cowles doing the lettering. Speaking of which, by the way, Edgar Delgado has my second favorite Twitter account name, which is Delga Duck, which is just <laughs> excellent. So, um, so yeah, we basically get a little um, digging into what happened. Uh, one thing I love is Dead Girl shows up. Uh, th this fucking staff, dude. We need to get a full list of the staff of the school. Yeah. She's probably just the counselor, to be honest. Yeah, but, I mean, but still. <laughs> but I love Dead Girl. I fucking love her. She was one of the few things I really enjoyed about Ecstatics because I thought, honestly, it was kind of like a bit much for me. But I really, mm. really liked her. So um, great to see her back. Haven't seen her in a while. So uh, so she's basically counseling 
Doyle because he died <laughs> and he <laughs> probably needs counseling. And there's a lot going on in this one. There's a side story with a bunch of the students out with Rocket and Groot on a mission, which is fun. Rocket being him normal, his normal self. Yeah. A bunch of the students are in class with Agatha, uh, Harkness. Uh, which again, like, how the fuck do we time this, dude? Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just so great. And then uh, I, I just love that Gus is always outside looking in. It's just... <laughs> every That's time there's a shot of it it just makes me laugh so hard he's peeking in through a window it makes me laugh so hard every time but then the punchline for that yep. like the, the the spell literally going sideways i fucking love it <laughs> yeah basically he accidentally gets duplicated like five times and uh because that's what they're learning how to do is to, like do illusions so his partner's shaley and she accidentally makes five gusses so it's just all these giants rolling rolling around which is great um yeah, it's a great, great book. Like, so many great characters. Um, yeah, so uh, we also get some more follow-up with the mysterious voice that's talking to Emily. And we also get to see a really adorable moment where Doctor Strange gives her a ring made from Doyle's bounding crown. Yeah. And that's going to help prevent her from basically dying. And she's like, oh, you took a piece of it while he's unconscious. He's like, no, when he, he realized what you'd done for him and how it affected you, he came to me and offered it freely. The ring was his idea. And then her smile. Yeah. <laughs> I love them so much together. It's adorable. Yeah. Like, and then like her running into Thor. And she's like, he's like, strange. It seems your student is broken. Like, I love that. So, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, shit. If I just saw the leaked pictures of Love and Thunder, I would be starstruck too at Thor. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> But yeah, um, it's just great, and we get a lot of, like, again, fun adventures. That's what this book is all about, and I absolutely love that the book ends with Eric being vomited up by a giant owl person. Like, oh, that's just great. That can happen to Eric all the time because he's such a pompous dick, but he's great at the same time. So, yeah, I, I loved it. It was it was great. It was uneventful. It was it was very much a um, a building story. Um, kind of taking us from the last arc to the next one, I think. So, but I do like that at the very least. It, if it is going to do that, we t- we at least take a take our time to go through like a class or two that we kind of did. Um, yeah, like yeah, because like the like like kind of like the cliffhanger, like the the shot of Toth and Calvin's jacket just doing the thing, and it's like yes. e- if if that was weird for Toth, hey, that's fucking weird. Yeah, Toth <laughs> literally comes from Weird World, so. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so that. Would, but do but, you have any predictions? Who's on the other side of the door? That's talking to Emily. Like, who could be influencing, or who so would want many. to? I have so many. Like, okay, like, off the bat, the big no-nos is like, why would Stephen Strange want to keep Mephisto at the school if he even could? Yeah, uh, nightmare pops into mind. Oh yeah, because he was just killed by Loki. Ooh, so yeah. I don't know the timing of that. Um, someone I'm completely forgetting about, probably to be honest. There's so many, and it hasn't been narrowed down yet. Maybe the right. ancient, no, no, the ancient one's out. Uh, I, I'm thinking more likely it's another uh, caster mm-hmm. than like a demon. Okay, that I'm leaning more towards that. So yeah, but I just I can't think of who it would be. Because we're reading, we can't tell if it's like a woman's or a um, uh, male's voice. 
Yeah. We can't yeah. tell like the what tone it is. Yeah, we're not really, so it's just kinda like, yeah. But I'm curious. I mean, I'm hooked. I've been hooked up on this book since the beginning. No, I mean it's one of the best <laughs> books that Marvel's putting out, especially with like new new stuff. Oh yeah, totally. So uh, a whole brand new cast of characters too, like yeah, they started from the beginning, like, and they're doing great. It's just wonderful. So yeah, um, now we're gonna kick back into King of Black. Okay, so oh, okay, yeah, Return of the Valkyries number two. I love this book. I love it. Love it. Did you get the cover it. A or cover B? I got cover A. Uh, okay, cool. I went with I went with B. Like I thought about it. It held on the fucking rainbow bridge. So yeah. it, it was a good shot. I thought about it. Yeah. Um, written by Jason Aaron and Torn Gronbeck, drawn by Nina Vecueva, colored by Tamara Bonvillain, and lettered by Joe Sabino. So this is the King of Black tie-in. Uh, last issue, quick summary. Sentry's dead, and it's up to the Valkyries to get him to heaven. But they get jumped by the original... Eternal, or not, not eternal. Uh, oh my god, my mind is a blank. What are they called? Celestial. Celestial. Thank you. My mind was just dead. Uh, <laughs> the headless celestial that Null killed, basically at the beginning of all things. Um, so, um, they take Sentry and a bunch of other people, and uh, it's up to Jane Foster, who is Valkyrie in this case, and. The Tessa Thompson Valkyrie, who we still don't have a name yet, so please let me have a name <laughs> so I can just label her properly. Um, and then we also run into the more traditional Valkyries as we go on. Uh, well, first of all, we get Danny Moonstar, who's anything but a traditional Viking or yep. Valkyrie, but is incredible. Yep. Um, uh, we get Brunhild, who is the Valkyrie everybody knows as far as Marvel Comics goes. Yeah. And then uh, significantly later on, we actually get um, uh, blah, the other one that's actually Viking, um, Hildegard. Um, and so now we have five Valkyries. And I love it. I, I would love this to be continue being a team. So, Dude, right? Like, what kind of epic tales would they fucking go on? Like, what could match five fucking Valkyries? I would love it. Yeah. So basically, they go on side missions. Basically, they all do side quests in this issue, um, including the Tessa Thompson Val- Valkyrie, who uh, is going to get her axe back. <laughs> and uh, it's fun. It she's got a great sense of humor, just like her namesake in the uh, the movies. Um, I will say the design of that axe is so fucking dope. Yeah, that looks like a World of Warcraft weapon, like one I would grind for to get. So yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a uh, Yarnbjorn. It's one of axe. Thor's originals, right? The name sounds familiar, but I, I it might be. I, I it was mean, like because no, Thor, think... Thor used to rock like an axe before he was like um, worthy of Mjolnir. Um, I wonder if it's, if it was this one. Um, in the comics, okay, yeah, in the comics, yeah, in comics, it's, it's the one that um, the one dude made him. The alcoholic dwarf that messed with Tony during um siege. Oh god damn it, right. Yeah, yeah. Um I think it's an actual mythological weapon though. Siege or fear itself. Wait, or fear itself? Yeah, fear itself. Yeah, 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 you're right. Um I I swear maybe it's a similar uh 
translation. Um, I think it's a similar translation in mythology. Okay. Um, but anyways, yeah, um, it just looks dope. I love it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I really enjoy this. I'm I'm absolutely loving all the uh, all the Valkyrie stuff, the King of Black stuff. It's just done really, really well. Um, yeah. I'm also, I love that this is all centered around the century and the fact that he died right away, mm-hmm. but there's still a good chunk of a story about him. So, yeah, um, pretty good. Well, anything you want to add about it? I don't know, like them going kind of off on like under like those side missions, but coming together, it's just going to be cool, like facing off Noel or we're just like when, when it all comes together by the end of King and Black. Yeah, they're going to have to take out the, uh, the Headless Celestial. That's going to be their thing. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be just this awesome like swarm fight where they're swarming all over him and stuff. Getting so. through dragons, like getting to the Celestial, it's going to be sick as fuck. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Uh, next one I want to talk about is one I was very excited about. Man. And yeah. I really enjoyed. And it was so good, <laughs> but it was also very funny. And that is Black Knight number one. Um. Confession time, if you've never listened to an episode of the show ever before, uh, I'm the biggest Black Knight fan, <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love him. This was not the most traditional Black Knight, but I still loved it. Um, yeah. I, I kind of like the ultra-modern Black Knight, uh, but I really, really enjoyed this one, um, where he's speaking in like old-timey, sl- old-timey words and... <laughs> narrating and just being kind of ridiculous it, it kind of added to it and it was funny because i was reading this and i'm like who wrote this and i yeah. turned i was like it's simon spurrier of course it's simon spurrier <laughs> um drawn by jesus size and letter by cory petit so um basically we find out that noel really 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 wants the ebony blade and uh the ebony blade can also destroy his people so that makes sense and um I really like the art of this, by the way. I wanted to skip yeah. to that before we jump in. Um, so we get a lot of good Black Knight lore here. And the lore of the Black Knight is the Ebony Blade is evil. And um, only those that are the purest of heart can wield the Ebony Blade. Because it can resist its evil. That's the whole point of the Ebony Blade. Well, that kind of gets turned on its head in this. And I don't mind spoiling this because it's great. And not a lot of people really care about his It's lore. just a one shot, yeah. Um, basically the, uh, the ebony blade was designed not for the pure of heart, but for the, someone with corruption. It just works perfectly with somebody who is corrupted and he's been trying to tell himself all this time otherwise. And you find out that basically he's been denying it to himself the entire time. And he knew the whole time, which is great because, if you go back and read a lot of his stories, he's always been kind of a dick. So yeah. um, it makes sense uh, character-wise. I'm glad for a moment there, I thought they were trying to retcon that he was actually like pure of heart. I'm like, okay. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah, so, but yeah, he's not. Um, so yeah, um, it was pretty good. One thing I absolutely love about this is basically he's fighting this and he drops after the fight. He fi- Sorry, he fights a null dragon. And he plummets on, into China. <laughs> <laughs> and so, who catches him? But one of Marvel's newest best characters, Arrow. Yeah. A-E-R-O. 
in case anyone's wondering. Um, and she is absolutely excellent. And you know how I like to put jokes as the um, the title of our episodes? Yeah. Yeah, the title of this episode is going to be Avengers Adjacent. Because it just made <laughs> me laugh every time it came up. So basically, like, they, they're they like, you know. That's good. Like, oh, yeah, the you know, the call went out. They, it's, the joke is made like six times, and it never gets not funny. But it's basically <laughs> like Black Knight is called because he's Avengers Adjacent. He's like, Avengers Adjacent? He's like... <laughs> Like I was a full-on member of the team for a long time, and then he arrows like, "Oh, I was also called. I'm also Avengers adjacent." He's like, "What?" <laughs> like, and then <laughs> that alone could have been just awesome. But then Swordmaster shows up, and he is also awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so we just get this great story where he is Swordmaster is a, he, I think this is the new Swordmaster. Because there used to be a character named Swordmaster, but I think this is the one who just inherited mm-hmm. it. And um, he basically is like, "Oh yeah, this is the you know the crazy evil demon god that I'm supposed to fight." And they're like, "No, no, it's Noel." He's like, "Oh, well then that's not my problem." <laughs> and they're like, "What?" And then again, we get the joke. She's like, "I assume you didn't get the message from Tony Stark." He's like, "Stark, the Iron Guy." Of course not. I'm not Avengers adjacent. <laughs> like, and I'm just like. <laughs> such a great joke and just and then later on he proves himself and she's like we'll get you avengers jason anytime like and i'm just like so good um his sword was also designed really really cool too very dope yeah and so basic and that's actually a chinese design that's what yeah. chinese swords look like with the big big uh narrow but fat just straight hilt. yeah yeah so nothing fancy on the hill yeah yeah that's that's kind of what it is uh so we get to see black knight do some cool things with his sword um well, as you can see, Black Knight absolutely murder a, a, a null dragon, as well as a building and a car <laughs> with a sword. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, that's when he comes to the realization of what, what the truth of his stuff is, basically. And he kind of accepts it, which is dope. Uh, I love the emoness of Black Knight. I just love it. And so they take out a, a major null-like uh, avatar, so it's like, holy crap, we actually did this. The, we got a fucking kaiju fight, dude. It's like, listeners, yeah. like, it's awesome. It's dope. I just really It's a great it. design. I fucking love this. And it's, it's actually really cool because Noel is almost like he looked into, uh, was it Swordmaster's, like, almost like mine in a way. It was like a de- mm-hmm. He adapts what he was fearing, what this kaiju, what he kind of came for, what he thought the original kaiju was going to be. He basically just said, like, oh, yeah, let me just borrow that and just make, let's just make that shit real, too. And that's what, that's what happened. Yeah. And I really like the last page where basically she had just asked him, are you coming? And he says, verily. Yeah. Honestly, if you took the little plug for King of Black off there, that's a poster I won. That's so Oh, cool. right. Yeah. So, yeah, I just really enjoyed the art here. Um, and then this is actually a lead in to a new Black Knight series. Oh, that shit. We, I, I, don't... I didn't even turn the page, dude. Yes. Written by Simon Spear and drawn by Sergio Davila. Sick, dude. Simon has been like fucking killing us since fucking alienated. Yeah, so we're gonna get Black Knight Curse of the Ebon Blade upcoming, which is so good. Yeah, so, I'm into this. <laughs> yeah, all right, we're almost done with King of Black. We promise, guys. Um, we're almost done. Period. Uh, Marauders number one for King and Black. Wait, I see what you're doing here going into X Men. Did you not get the Legend of Shang-Chi? I did. Did I skip it? I did. Yeah. I, I, I just moved it to the stack without reviewing it. My bad. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Yeah, Legend of Shang-Chi. We're definitely reviewing that. Okay, let's back up. Uh, oh, I have a story about this one, too. Thank you for reminding me. Legend <laughs> okay. of Shang-Chi, number one. So we just finished the mini. I believe this is a one-shot. Okay. It kind of uh, felt like it. So I picked up my comics at my normal comic book store, Samurai Comics. And they were missing two books. And I was like, crap. I'm going to have to go pick it up somewhere else. So I went to Greg's Comics, which is my backup comic book store. I walked up to Greg's Comics. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there waiting. They had both books I needed, which is great. I'm just sitting there waiting. And there's an older uh, older Asian gentleman talking to the guy behind the counter. And they're talking about Shang-Chi. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I want to listen in on this. And they start talking about Dr. Afra, who's also, you know, an Asian, Asian-based character. I'm like, okay, this is really cool. And he's talking about how he relaxes it. And um, I'm like, I wanted, to, I wanted to engage in the conversation and yeah. be like, I love both of these books, <laughs> you know? And But I was I, like... I know the feeling. But I was like, you know what? I'm just... I'm, it, it, you know, pandemic, people are weird about talking to each other right now. Just like, oh, God. No. And, and that too. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> the setting of the conversation... And Otherwise, I would have totally bumped into this. Let me just tell you. <laughs> so, um, so he says goodbye to the guy behind the counter. And the guy behind the counter is a friend of mine. We've talked a bunch. So that guy leaves. And I walked up and I handed him my books. And he's like, how's it going today? I'm like, good. And he's like... I'm like, you guys are talking about Dr. Affer, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, I love that book. It's so good. He's like, yeah, it's gotten a little momentum going lately. I'm like, yeah, totally. And then he says, uh, now, let me take a pause here. I didn't look at the creative team for The Legend of Shang-Chi yet. Oh, okay. Uh, so he says, yeah. He's like, well, that guy, uh, that's the father of the person that writes Dr. Afra." And I'm like, oh, shut up. And I blinked and I'm like, that's Alyssa Wong's father? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, why didn't I talk to him? And so I was like, Wait, Alyssa Wong is doing Legend of Shang Chi, and then I picked up my copy of it, flipped over, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Alyssa Wong is writing Legend of Shang Chi. <laughs> so that's where I'm leading off. Alyssa Wong uh, writing, Andy Tong drawing, Rochelle Rosenberg coloring, and Travis Lanham lettering. This is a one shot. It's not directly related to the mini we just read. Yeah, but it does show a cool angle of Shang Chi, which I really enjoyed. Um, basically, there is a sword that steals the souls of the people it stabs uh doesn't kill them just kind of leaves them comatose and they're worried that it's going to get out into the world and you know be in bad hands and so uh his ex-girlfriend slash current girlfriend slash whatever's going on there from mi6 is basically like we need you to go in there and steal it and he's shang chi so he's like fuck yeah i'm gonna go do it he goes in but it's already been stolen and who has it been stolen by? But somebody I think we talked about last week, Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. And so she has it, and she's just jabbing people with it left or right because she probably thinks it's funny because <laughs> she's horrible. Um, and basically, they have a cool fight. Um, she's like, "Oh, I recognize you. You're Shang Chi." Uh, lots of cool martial arts stuff, which I, I absolutely love the martial arts. Um, uh, like the way it's drawn, you know, Dude, little him small palming the blade just to break it, like fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, yeah, so they do a bunch of cool things. I like the one shot near the end, right before she pokes him, mm-hmm. where it's just like the clang, 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 clang. Like he's literally countering every t- thing she does with the with braces, his, yeah, with his, yeah, with his bracers, it's just bare fists and bracers, basically. And then she jabs him, and basically it doesn't work on him because he's Shing chi he's a badass <laughs> and then his whole thing was to retrieve the sword and take it back to his ex 
what does he do instead? As Josue said, he just <laughs> palms the blade and breaks it. Like, and, ev- and everybody who had their soul stoken, stolen was woken up. Yeah, it, it was super dope. <laughs> it's so dope. And he's just making things right, basically. And they're like, you know, thanks again, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we see the shot of Lady Deathstrike with just the blade of the sword. So maybe we have a tease. <laughs> I loved this book. I, I yeah, can't no, believe it was fun. I, I can't believe I forgot about it. That makes me <laughs> So, yeah, loved it. Um, okay, now Marauder's King of Black. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I just got too excited is what it was. Yeah. Um, it's a good size issue, too, for Marauders. Yeah. Nice and heavy. Written by Gary Dugan. Uh, artist Luke Ross. Not the normal Marauders artist. Color artist Carlos Lopez and lettering by Corey Petit. Um, one thing I loved about this is that as much as I love Marauders and I've been loving it lately, it's one of the best books. Um, I miss the crew of mm-hmm. Marauders being together because lately it's been about Emma and Kitty. And that's pretty yeah, much yeah. some storm. But we get Iceman back. We get Pyro back. They're on the ship. It's just <laughs> great. So basically, they're the ones who are going to New York to save Storm and Cyclops uh, from being nullified, basically. And on the way, they find out this ship is, you know, this other ship is being attacked by Null Dragons. And um, I know you, you started picking up Marauders, but I don't know how far back you went. Uh, did Not you read yet. from the beginning? Okay. So you haven't seen much of Pyro. No, but, but but believe me, I remember how much you just really only talk about. If you're talking about Marauders, you have to talk about Pyro. <laughs> so, so I remember those vividly. I thought of you immediately where um, Bishop at the beginning, because I know you have an issue with Bishop. Says, yes. That's the word from X-Force. And Pyro was like, you should like talking to cops. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> like, I was like, yep, that's amazing. So... <laughs> So yeah, good. I definitely need to go back and get. I, I think I have one through three for sure. I need to go just finish four yeah. through up until Ten of Swords. And he's got the face tattoo. It's just so great. Is that a face tattoo? Yeah, dude, he got that tattoo when when <laughs> Kitty got her tattoo the first time. He's like, I'm gonna get a tattoo, and he got a fucking skull on his face. <laughs> like that was like a mask or like some no. sort of pirate war paint at least. That's oh, a tattoo. That's a tattoo. He's gonna have to get every time he dies. Basically, <laughs> like I love it. So, uh, basically, they decide to save the ship because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And little do we know. Um, also, he talks about getting another tattoo of one of the dragons, which a null, null dragon tattoo would be pretty sick, actually. Fuck, yeah. So, um, they get all the people off the ship, and Kitty's like, hey, what's your cargo? And he's like, oh, it's olive oil. Don't worry about it. And then Bishop's like, wait, I hear something. Bishop goes below, and there's a bunch of people in cages under yeah. in the underneath of the ship that the guy was going to let drown, basically. What, and water's at waist level now. Yeah. So basically, they prevent the ship from sinking, save the people. Kitty, being the best character in Marvel Comics, again, <laughs> backhands the captain across the face and calls him scum. God, I love her. Um <laughs> And basically, they're like, "Hey, where are we gonna? Where are we gonna do these guys? Where are we gonna put these guys?" And they're like, "Well, we can't just leave you here." So, Iceman gets Sage to open a portal to the middle of the fucking desert, basically, and <laughs> abandons them there. And I love the dude's like, 
You're not even going to give us water, and you just gives them a whole bunch of ice. It's like, take as much you can carry. <laughs> so good. Loved it so much. And then, basically, they save the refugees, but the refugees don't want to go to the U.S. They're worried they're going to get kicked out immediately, which is a very fair assessment on their part. Well, they were promised Canada. And, the, yeah, they were promised Canada. And so, basically, they don't have time for this. So, the mutants, basically, are going to put them on Island M. Which is, uh, I believe that's the original Magneto Island. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, they put them there and basically take care of them until this is all over, and then they'll take them wherever they want to go, basically. Um, and we get this really cool scene with Magneto at the end, basically being like, you know, I, I just like the way he said it. He's like, many stories will be written of Krakoa's might, but may you may tell one of her mercy. Yes. Which is just great. Yeah, like that's very important part. They're gonna have to start making friends, you know. So, right. If anything is, it's like it's obviously it was, it was a very brutal line, but it leans more towards what Xavier used to see or talk like, mm-hmm. not necessarily like authoritarian. Like we will over overrule you one day, which they are now. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, but that what he said it was just like, yo, when you go out there, just be sure to spread the word of fucking we were nice, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and it's definitely showing Krakoa as more of a midpoint between the um, the Magneto ideal and the Professor X ideal. Yeah, like because we were kind of worried, like, oh, they're getting a little super villainy, aren't they? You know, <laughs> like, like they they kind of balance that out a little bit, which I really enjoyed. So yeah, uh, but yeah, pretty great. Um, so that's our last King of Black uh, story. I think that is a one shot. For this one, yeah, because usually even like even when uh, how X Men has been kind of kind of tying into King and Black, they've been going off of like their regular numbering, but this one actually came off as a one shot. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> sorry, the part in the end when uh, Magneto's talking to uh, one of the normal people, and she's she's skipping rocks, and Magneto just can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was excellent. It literally just plops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we only have our X books left. And uh, we're going to get into them, and we are going to start with Hellions. Yes. However, Dude, these however, two books could come off together every single time. Oh yeah, because they're they're perfect flips of each other. So, before we talk about it, I have to talk about an advertisement that's been in all these Marvel books. Oh, I was, I was going to say you're not bringing it up, but we have to, right? We have to. Okay, so we have a book coming from Marvel called Demon Days X Men. Yes. And the art is Peach Momoko. Yep. Which, that alone, is awesome. For a whole book, yeah. And that cover's absolutely gorgeous, right? Yes. Oh my god, yes. Um, But the tagline, a thrilling new universe, written and drawn completely by Peach Momoko. Yes. Fuck it's, yeah. It's a five-part series. I've looked this up. Okay, cool. It's a five-part prestige series bringing to life characters like Wolverine, Psylocke, Venom, and more in her one-of-a-kind style. We're only going to get one every three months. I mean, yeah. I think it's because her art is really intensive. It, it is. Also, she's like also like a, a cover artist. I'm pretty sure she just has a list of shit to do as well. 
So we have we have a brief description of the first issue, which is about Psylocke. Uh, it's going to kick off with a wandering swordswoman with a psychic blade arrives at a village that's being targeted by demons. One demon is black and white with and with a terrifying red tongue. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And another may be the strongest demon there is. Ready your katana enter, enter a mysterious world of demons, monsters, mutants, and magic in a stunning premiere issue that will present readers with a revolutionary reimagination of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Please be as intense as a uh, uh, Devil's Red Bride. Did you, I, I meant to ask you this a long time ago, and I totally forgot, because this might be right up your alley. There was an issue, or there was a series called Five Ronin that Marvel put out in 2010. Did you read it? Oh, shit, no. This is five, I believe, were they all X-Men? I can't remember. No, <sighs> five Marvel characters set in feudal Japan. Okay. And it's Wolverine, Psylocke, Punisher, Hulk, and Deadpool. What? What? Okay. Damn, okay. Now, it's written by Peter Milligan, drawn by David Aja. No, wait, no. David Aja does the cover, sorry. Uh, Drawn drawn by Joe Karamaga. No, God, I messed up again. He's the litterer. (laughs) Drawn (laughs) by Tom Coker. Um, But they're each, I think they each had different um, uh, creative teams. Because they all oh, have that sounds fucking dope. Look, um, they're so cool, and if nothing else, the David Aja covers are worth owning. Um, oh, okay, like I'm just gonna, and it, it, they are on Marvel Unlimited, so uh, definitely something I know you'll probably. Yeah, it's gonna read. be a homework I'm gonna do for sure. Uh, I'm sending you just one of the covers just to show you what we're dealing with here. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I remember seeing these as a, right around the time when I was really coming back into comics. Yeah. So I do remember seeing these coming around, but yeah, I didn't know if it was like I need to start somewhere, if it was like its own that, but the fact that it was its own thing. They're not even. Know. They're not even related to each other. Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that's what this reminds me of, is what I was gonna say. So. Yeah, no, I love it. So very excited about that. Anyways, let's move on to Hellions. <laughs> uh, as always, Hellions uh, published by Marvel, clearly written by Zeb Wells. Drawn by Steven Segovia, colored by David Curiel, and lettered by Ariana Mayer, making another appearance. She's killing it this week. Um, so, we finally get Orphan Maker a new body, or new suit, I should say. And, uh, well, actually, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Mastermind is having a meeting with Mr. Sinister and poisons him and kills him. So, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um <laughs> I love this book so much. It's so ridiculous. Um, so yeah, uh, Orphan Maker gets a new suit, and he's like, "Ah, oh, it's too tight." And Nanny's like, "Oh, you've grown." And she's like, "I'll relieve some later." And he's like, "Not later, dummy. Now it hurts." So he's literally like a little kid, and she's just like, basically like, "Oh, it's like a mom and a kid fighting the entire time. It's great. Maybe you don't need your nanny, you know." <laughs> and it's just like, it's so great. And then we get some stuff with Empath and Havoc. We get some stuff with Greco and Wild Child. We get Psylocke just looking incredible. Just, I love it. <laughs> like, um, basically, they get alerted by Sage. Hey, um, <laughs> as funny as X Factor is, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, this is probably the funniest moment of the week to me. <laughs> Where she's just like, one of your own was taken. Or it was missing. And they're like, huh? And she's like, I saw it in my own day. I was like, wait, what? And they're all kind of like, huh? And she's like, 
yeah, the, the footage has been erased. And she's like, we've lost all evidence of Mr. Sinister's abduction. And then Grey Crow's like, you're talking about Sinister? And then Havoc goes, what do we do? <laughs> and Grey Crow's like, you want to grab some lunch? He's like, dude, if you don't start, I'm going <laughs> to like... <laughs> or, and just like, they start like all laugh. Everybody. Like, one of your own. Uh, <laughs> she said it like we were going to start crying. Even Wild Child is laughing in the background. <laughs> Everybody but Psylocke laughs. But basically, they're like, yeah, we're going to have to look into this. And then... <laughs> Again, Orphan Maker and Nanny keep fighting the entire time. Where he's like, I'm not my name's not Peter, I go by Pete now. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So dumb. Mastermind welcomes them <laughs> and basically he does his thing, which is great because Mastermind is just this awesome dark illusionist dude. Mm-hmm. And then uh we're not gonna spend too much time on this book, obviously, because it's obviously setting up the next arc. Yeah. But at the end we get the reveal that he kidnapped them for Arcade. And this team that is known for dying in a murder world is going to be so good. (laughs) I'm so excited. Like, the only way it could be better is if it's Mojoverse. But yeah. Um, But yeah, I love this. Um, I always liked Mastermind. He's a crazy dude. Um, I've been waiting for his daughter to make an appearance, actually, because I really like that character. Ooh, okay. I don't know if she's been res yet or not, so... Uh, but yeah, anything else about this issue you want to talk about? I mean, it's just great uh, overall, in my opinion. It's, just, it's great overall. Yeah, I, I call this I call this book my soap opera of the month. Yeah, uh, it's just it's, it's so fantastic. My stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I just like that that part when they all start laughing. I just like it's like even though she should know that they're not laughing at her, but it's the fact that Sage just kind of took it to heart. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. Yeah, definitely. All right. We're going to move on to Josue. Yeah. I think this is my favorite X-Men book now. Now? Uh, yeah. No, I think I think it's definitely been for me. I want to say that it's only, or well, it's February now, but we should remember this issue as probably one of the best issues of the year. Yeah. Um. I like it more than Marauders now, and I love Marauders. <laughs> like, I love it, but... X Factor number seven, written by Leo Williams, drawn by David Baldion, colored by Israel Silva, letter by Joe Caramagna. So we left off with Siren repeatedly dying for some reason. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, once Polaris tries to look into it, she hypnotizes her to basically try to fight every attempt to look into this. This book balances humor. With drama, yeah, so perfectly, yeah. Like so, we open up from the info page from last time, which was Sophia and Prodigy talking, and her being like, "I told Tommy that you died," and him be like, "Oh God damn it! Why is my phone ringing?" And then we open <laughs> the issue with his phone ringing, and he has ninety four missed calls, eighty nine missed calls, sixty one missed calls, <laughs> and he puts fucking speedsters like immediately, and I'm like. Yes, exactly. And then he answers it all angrily. Also, he's answering a tablet, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> like, oh my god, he is. <laughs> it's so gigantic. Um, and he's basically like, yeah, I got killed on the one attack. And Xavier Institute, they wiped out a bunch of other kids. And me, being a fan, I'm like, no, he didn't. Like, He didn't die <laughs> then. That's going to be an interesting plot. And then Tommy just shows up because he's Tommy. <laughs> 
And he's like, no, you didn't. You were with me that night. And then his pictures of them kissing. And he's like, oh, okay. Who took that? He's like, no, no, no. But, you know, and so he's just like, oh, that's weird. And he's like, you okay? He's like, yeah. He's like, you want to make out? He's like, yep. And they just start making out. Yep. <laughs> um, which is excellent. Um, then uh, we cut over to, like, again, there's so many stories within stories with this group that I just love it. Like, uh, any one of these could be a comic of its own. But they're all together. Yeah. And it's what makes this book great. Uh, we cut to Aurora and Dokken. Oh, man. I this moment, please. <laughs> Has any character in Marvel, besides maybe Magneto and Apocalypse, had a better redemption arc than Dokken? No. And I really wanted to highlight that based on like this scene. Like, ten, like a little over 10 years ago, 2008 from then on, if you would have told me, like, hey, you're going to read an issue and you're going to feel good feels for a doc in. Yeah. And I, I would have laughed in your face, spat on the floor and be like, that's character assassination. Like you don't know fucking doc. And like, are you even reading Marvel comics? What are you talking about? You know what? I don't even want to hear it. That would have been me. Yeah. But growing, learning, being on Krakoa now, like this is one of the best fucking scenes of, of just of all time of, of a in mutant, at least for me. It's like, great. I used to hate this guy and like in a, in a love hate way. Mm-hmm. And then Rick Remander just like really blew him out of the water and, and uncanny X-Force with doubling down on like me hating the guy. So I was kind of apprehensive with, with this whole Krakoa thing and how he would be. And then I've just done nothing but love the guy since the beginning of X factor. And not even like, just because he's more jokey now, he's just like generally more happy. And we actually, you can see that he actually wants to try. So is that it's not a character destination. Like it's li- little character development for this guy. Yeah. Plus, um, I would say, I don't think anyone has ever drawn a more attractive character than David Baldion drawing drawing Dokken. <laughs> yeah. He's a fictional character, and I'm very attracted to him. Yes, like that, <laughs> that, that bulk is definitely works. The face, it's it just even in the scene, like she even calls him out, like like. But seriously, why the fuck are you just like a frat boy? Even yeah. in the scene, that shit works for me. Yep, totally. I love it. So he basically explains how his pheromone powers work, and he basically tells Aurora, hey, I can't make you like me. Yeah. He's like, I I can only enhance what's already there. Which was literally my whole misconception all these years. I really thought that's how he would uh, abuse all of his victims, because he could manipulate them them that, that way. Yeah. Just so great. And then, like, they just play this cute little coy thing. And this recurring thing of every time they're about to do something, every time they're about to kiss or something, like North Star shows up. Like, just every time, it's just great. <laughs> and um, she keeps telling him to kiss her, and he's like, no. And then... Um, so ballsy. So then ballsy. She, <laughs> she says, kiss me, you coward. He's like, no, you'll have me begging for it soon, Jean Marie. And she's like, as it should be. God it's just damn like it. so good. <laughs> so Dawkins going undercover. We're gonna go deep dive in X Factor, guys. Sorry, it's just gonna happen. It's so worth it. <laughs> like, um, he's gonna be stalking uh, Siren to figure out what's going on. Um, Polaris is the one he's contacting to give up the updates, but she keeps lying to the group because she's hypnotized. But Eye Boy notices because mm. he's Eye Boy, <laughs> which is great. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, then we move on and we get some more speed stuff and he meets North star and (laughs) this. Okay. No, I take it back. This is my favorite scene of the week. Actually. Um, 
Tommy's basically like, hey, what's your top velocity? Mine's 761 miles an hour. And North Star's like 189,299 miles per second. He's like, what, what, what? He's like, that's impossible. <laughs> He's like, can you fly? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, that's cheating, basically. And I uh, like North Star's like, I suppose that makes sense where I'm trying to soothe my wounded ego by lying to myself about an arbitrary speedster rule system <laughs> I just made up. Like, and then, like, he tries to race him and stuff, and he's just like, wait, how is that even possible? That's faster than the speed of light. He's like, that would, and he goes, destroy everything in my path? Yes, that's correct. I could garret the world in half in half with one lap if I wished it. Badass. <laughs> oh, badass. <laughs> it would just destroy me physically, I mean, not emotionally. I can't breathe at that point because I created a vacuum. My organs are getting crushed by my bones pulverized the little dust. Badass. <laughs> like, so great. So Tommy basically has a crush, which is excellent. And he keeps trying to be like, like keep talking to North Star and probably just trying to drag him away. <laughs> like, <laughs> love that scene. Uh, I also really like the fact that they point out that Siren is in Dazzler's band. Just like an offhanded little thing, and I'm like, well, oh I my god, know everything about uh, that band right yes. now. <laughs> also, also, Dazzler has a new suit. I'm fucking noticing. Where's that book? I need that book. That's your girl, huh? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, also, the Madrox <sighs> appearance. She's an X Men. She's an X Men. New new suit. She's an X Men. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up. Um, it's kind of like Cyclops's like color scheme. I love the Madrox bit. Where oh yeah like, you know when i ran x factor we did things differently it's like must be why i run things <laughs> perfect rebuttal so great <coughs> and so oh also how lame is havoc i love that line so much that's what <laughs> when i was reading earlier and i i unmuted my mic so i could laugh and tell you this is killing me <laughs> where he says mr summers if you know Teresa acting strangely he's like please call me alex mr summers is my brother <laughs> <laughs> Just so stupid, and I love it. Um, but yeah, we find out that basically Polaris won't pass the message on, and we find out basically it's not Siren, it's Morrigan, the goddess. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and she jumps Dokken and basically kills him and pales him on a spike, but doesn't realize he's going to heal. So he just sits there for a very long time, just barely alive and it's just like christ you know like that's really sad but i like that north star saved him i love the development of him and north star's relationship oh totally especially because he started trying to bang his sister so (laughs) um so he's healing he doesn't die thankfully uh so he's healing and then he's in the hot tub (laughs) basically and then aurora shows up fully dressed and gets in the hot tub with him because she's crazy. We don't talk about that enough, but she's actually crazy. Um, <laughs> and she basically is asking about it, and he basically explains, hey, this happened and stuff. And they finally kiss, and it's just excellent. And then he's just like, sorry, I'm still healing and all this stuff. And then, of course, they're, they're like, I missed you. It's like, please don't go away like that again. Okay, I won't. Aurora! <laughs> like, North Star <laughs> on screen calling for Aurora. And it's like, why is he like that? Why is he shouting and still zooming? He's like, like I just love that. Like, oh, it's so great. And then they they talk about um, the the X Men False Utopia thing, which is where we got Scout and uh, uh, X twenty three. That's where that's where Scout was introduced. I'm pretty sure. So, um, so yeah. And then then we cut ahead to later that night. And man, this is a great hook. Yeah. So later that night, and it says they're dead. Aurora and Jean Paul. 
and it says Rachel's dead. Polaris two. We're the last ones. And it's Dawkin standing by the dead bodies of Aurora Northstar, like arranged in a really weird thing. In a weird sacrificial way, yeah. Yeah, but that's that's a that's a Celtic symbol, which the mm-hmm. Morgan is Celtic. So um I'm thinking she, you know, brainwashed him is what it is. So um and it's put everybody else is dead. And the only people left, it looks to be, is iBoy and Prodigy. Yeah. So that's not a great team for this. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's gonna lead us straight to our next arc. I love X Factor. No, X Factor is fantastic because and the reason why why I would highlight it as for right now contention for uh a best issue of the year, at least so far, it's just like where where I'm used to reading Marvel, like this issue would have been drawn out for another three or four issues, just like with not figuring not figuring out the whole Polaris thing, just drawing out that storyline and the fact that we actually have a, a, a detective book. I just call it what it is. It's, it's a detective book. And it's probably one of the best ones I've read since Scott Snyder's Batman pre New Fifty Two, and I just I just love it. I mean, as far as from the big two, a detective story from the big two, um, just like the fact that they just they really just like handle it all at least in the very in this issue, so we can move forward. Like like I said, like like a Bendis storyline like this would have really drawn out for another two or three issues. Let's be real, on like just keeping the whole secret to keep it dragging, and then. And Ivoy not saying that she noticed uh, her lying, but let's just cut to the chase. Like, we're trying to solve this together, and let's just nip it in the bud here. Uh, how serious, and like you said, like, how funny and serious, like, this book can be. Like, the whole the whole speecher thing was fantastic. Um, like, the scene at the end of the hot tub was great. But then, like, you you, you kind of read into, like, the seriousness of this book, and it, it is, it's handled really well. Um, well, first of all, like, kind of how, like, um, the Akihito Dokken just explain explaining his pheromone powers mm-hmm. and how he he's literally been uh, perceived to be a dick because of it. Example me. So it's actually a really great really, uh, great moment to kind of handle that. Mm-hmm. And after that, the whole part in the middle, like describe describing like the the ways of an abuser and like the subtle ways like they they get away with it. Th- that shit was like treated so well like in like in like in a very serious tone while not really being like and don't don't worry we're still going to be joking and laughing and while while not really downplaying it i thought that was just like very important yeah. um but then you get back into like the ending and it's like the the hot tub scene and the hot tub scene yeah and it's great and it's funny but then the again like we we take the the seriousness with the funny and it's like kind of aurora letting akihiro like in in on 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 jp like the way he calls him that yeah on uh, john paul because of like he's also hurt he's 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 still affected by the trauma of 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 that of that time so that that's why he's yelling like the letting you in on why he's yelling at everybody because he's just checking in because he's that shit really got to him even though he's a great leader in this book he's fucking awesome but he still he still has has his, has his issues that he's going through as well yeah. so again like book of the year for sure at least in contention because it it was just so much into one issue, and I loved every bit of it. Yep, it's just one of the best books out there, much less Marvel books. Yeah, just incredible. I I love X Factor. Um, if they keep this up, I'm, it's definitely getting a nomination for Book of the Year at the end of the year for me. So, yeah, um, that is it. That was a lot. 
That was a lot. <laughs> uh, I want to leave you guys with two things. One related to this show, and one related to our other show. And I'm going to start with the other show first. Josue, did you know that the new Foo Fighters album just dropped? Oh, shit. It's finally today. It's finally happened. It's I have out. not. No. I'm just Okay. I'm freaking out now. Yes. Awesome. So we'll be talking about that on the next episode of Jukebox Vertigo. Yes. And then um, the last thing I wanted to go ahead and uh, kind of talk about is uh, we were we were talking about last week. The only bit of news I did was the announcing of the cast for Sandman. Well, mm-hmm. I have one more Sandman bit of news. Uh, <laughs> The audiobook, which all of you should listen to, has been renewed for two more volumes. And it's the best-selling Audible original ever. Oh, no shit? Yes. It just became that? Fuck yeah. It's It's so new. Yeah, so pick it up. It's absolutely incredible, and wait for the next ones. We don't have any casting news for that yet, either. But I just wanted to give a heads up on that, because it's just so awesome, and I'm so excited. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, anything to close us off with us way? Uh, no, just just another great week of comics. Love being here for it. Definitely. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate that. Um, as always, you can check us out on our Twitter, WHI Podcast. Me at WHI Podcast Keith. Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. And Josue at Josue Reads Josue. Make sure to check out Josue's Twitter. Uh, there is a mini webcomic drawn about one of his stories by our good friend Stephen Clark over at Geek <laughs> Elite Media. That is absolutely excellent. Hostway, um, me and Liz were actually talking about on the website having our um, our like pictures and our bios being like like cartoons, like drawings. Oh, nice! And then I'm immediately like, "Well, this is this is going to be Hostways." So, like, it oh, absolutely, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, excellent. So, we'll have to talk about that later. But yeah, check it out. It's great. It's one of my, of my favorite Hostway stories. It cracks me up, uh, <laughs> and it, the art is amazing. So, th- thanks again, Stephen, uh, Peppermint Gentleman, as he is known, and he's also one that did our um, icons, our um, logos for the show. So, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Uh, we will see you next week.